Hello, valued listener, and welcome to the second special episode of the Internet North podcast, where we will be taking a look at demonic consultation and the decks and win conditions that it defines. I am your host for this episode, Reed, aka Sick Robot, and today I'm joined by three fantastic people who will be helping me take a deep dive into the topic at hand. So I'd like to extend a warm welcome officially to Sagandaraya. Sagandaraja? <laughs> hey. Wedge of not the mana source of the CDH Discord and Reddit. Howdy. And Redshift. Good morning. Or evening. So, <laughs> wherever you may be. Uh, as I mentioned before, today we're going to be doing a deep dive on the card Demonic Consultation, as well as its pair uh, Tainted Pact and Laboratory Maniac and all that good stuff. And more specifically, the decks and strategies that it enables, as well as covering some of the questions for people to put in over the last couple months or so. Um, so yeah, so now that we've gotten that intro done with, how are you guys? Doing well? I'm doing good. Uh, it's bright and early here in uh, California. Sunny California. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes, it's gray and early here in Vancouver. <laughs> it's just ticked up to two in the morning in Melbourne. <laughs> oh, I'm boy. But otherwise, so we I'm have, good. Yeah. <laughs> we have a we have a wide span of time zones on this on this cast right now, so yeah. we're trying to trying to make this work was not the easiest thing, but we got there. We're all in a we voice did. call together. We're doing it live. <laughs> so, to get started, because I think we have a lot of ground to cover, and we should probably mm -hmm. get into it, um, we are going to start off with the history of the consult archetype in CDH. Um, how did we get to the deck? How did the deck come about to where it is now? You know, like, what decks came before it? All that good stuff. Um, so, I know, Wedge, you, you had some yeah. pretty specific stuff right. on this so okay so the, you know obviously just the consultation cards you know um demonic consultation tainted pack those kind of cards um you know like the first kind of uses we saw for them in competitive edh were obviously in the food chain decks um in you know prosh and tazri um and you know they were they were used you know frequently as essentially a two for one tutor where you know you you can play it to like you know get your caster exile creature plus food chain in in tazri's case um but then um, the first time I think I saw the specific Labman plus Consult, um, I think it was during the, the 2016 uh, tournament where uh, Shaper played it as a backup plan. Um, like, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, um, as a like a thing of like, hey, people are going to want to try and get rid of my food chain or whatever and played as a backup plan. And then it just ended up just being fantastic as an, as an alt win con just kind of stuck. And then... Yeah, at that like, time there was like a lot of people like going, "Oh, all all Praetor's grasp your food chain," and that was kind of like something that Shaper was getting memed on a lot. So it was a, it was he, a very he different ran time. That in secret at first yeah. for the for the yeah. game, those games there because he didn't want to let people know that he's running on Labman. He wanted people to think that he was all in on food chain, so people would waste their turn trying to Praetor's grasp that. I think that turned into really effective tech, right? Um, just because, yeah, yeah, the single card, right? Mm -hmm. It was just kind of, it was just almost essentially free to run with only one slot being lab man. Yeah, because in that deck you wanted the exile tutors anyway. You want to get rid of the prosh effects when you're looking for food chain. Like the ideal Taz return is like hit a cast from exile dude and grab food chain with an exile tutor and then combo off. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so aside from Food Chain, because we all know how well Food Chain uses that card, and they're yeah. sort of disgusting there. Um, yeah. I know it before we got to a dedicated consultation deck or set of decks, um, there there were definitely some decks that were using consultation and more more commonly tainted pact before that point. Um, and there are also some other decks that like sort of had similar shells to what we're looking at right now. Yeah, like the uh, like the Doomsday, like the Jaleva Doomsdays or Doomsday kind of decks of old, where they kind of follow like a similar kind of like shell where, you know, with, with Constellation, obviously you want Constellation plus Labman plus Cantrip. Um, in, you know, in Doomsday, it's like you have Doomsday plus Cantrip and then, uh, you know, a certain amount of mana to to kind of do the, essentially the same thing where you're exiling your entire deck except, say, for f- five cards and then just, you know, plow through into a Labman win. Yeah, so really um, the, same, the same style of deck, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and, uh... I was just going to say, also, I recall a few years ago when Lil Brother was more actively brewing in Bug Reanimator, um, especially like Dread Return, All Out Self Mill, like, um, what was it called? Angels and Demons for Breakfast by Dan Brownweaver. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh, God, right. And like uh, Sadisi, like. I saw it pop up in some of the older, like, Hulk and Reanimator decks that were using, like, Dread Return for stuff like Labman, obviously, Necro, um, Necroticus, not so much, but, yeah, in a few of those decks a few years ago. Tainted Pack, particularly, because you're on the singleton mana base for Hermit Druid. Um, Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, so that was uh, SBT, right? CDC Brood Tyrant, I believe. Yeah. Um, which was, I, I think a lot of that came from also the layering of they were already on Dread Return stuff, like with Food Chain and Cast from Exile creatures anyway. I know it's currently in Siggy's like Prime uh, Breakfast Hulk list, but it would have floated in and out at different stages over the last few years. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And then I think Sug had experience with really weird. weird the cast consult shell specifically comes from at least i yeah. believe oh yeah um, the, which the was... modern one kind of came as an adaptation between me and imok when we were originally working on cast twin uh see cast twin doesn't have to have like the gush uh tied mana base that a lot of the like the zur and jaleva lists were running at the time where you have like a lot of islands and it's heavily geared towards that but like cast twin was already running demonic consultation because like with that deck, you just need an A plus B combo. So you go ahead and have one, just exile your whole deck to get the other if you need to, and you can still get there. Um, but one of the things at that time was there's a lot of specific activated ability hate in the meta both me and IMAC were playing in. And I put in Laboratory Maniac, because I just noticed we were running the XL Tutors, and I saw that... Shaper had done that with his food chain deck and thought, okay, well, I'll add the in lab man just as like a backup win con. And what I noticed was that the backup win con was like way better and more consistent than the twin win con. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, okay, let's just cut all the fat stuff and just add ad nauseum and stuff. And that's kind of when it started becoming its own deck. Yeah, I remember, I remember when we were playing that in the old like team leagues 
And it's like more than like 60% of your wins were like, oh, like they just asked them to be console over twin. <laughs> and I, th- I think it really, um, the reason why we're seeing Grixis twin now, as opposed to maybe it like could have been a thing in the past, but wasn't is maybe because of the difference between how Kess synergizes with the card and how like Jaleva doesn't really synergize with the card, right? Yeah, definitely. So uh, what I would be talking about for any uninformed viewers, as I'm sure the rest of the guys in these podcasts know, but just just to cater to the layman a bit here, um, because Kess lets you cast a card from the graveyard, you can recast a consultation that you've already cast, right? Yep. Yeah. So, 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 so because, you know, just the kind of like the standalone, like, consultation, lab man, cantrip, you know, that's like a three card combo, which isn't too hot. But with Kess being in play, that kind of makes that combo a two card combo because you can just have a cantrip and demonic consultation in hand and just be like, all right, I'm going to go off because you can go consult, grab the lab man, consult again, play your cantrip and then have fun. Cool, cool, cool. Um, so I think, I think that's a... the cantrip anymore. Thank you. Yeah. We'll get to that. <laughs> oh, that's, yeah, that's a good one. made it way more streamlined. <laughs> Base Jace. So that's that's just about, I, th- I think that's a pretty comprehensive history of the archetype and the deck mm-hmm. in general. Um, yeah. So I think next we wanted to get to uh, just sort of, you know, like the general from, from going from the history of the deck to the current state of the deck, right? Um, current yep. stats in the meta. I guess we can also go over recent additions. Um how it's changed recently, all that good stuff. Um, so yeah, uh, I think first we were gonna do sort of just commanders that can theoretically helm the deck, right? Yeah. Um, so like obviously we have cast, but there's a wide cast of other, technically other commanders that can actually be at the helm of the deck, right? Yes, and there have been several different like uh, decks that have like, come out over the last like year or so that are just like, oh, the console tra- strategy is pretty sweet. Let's see if we can jam it in there. Um, you know, like obviously, so there's casts, as you said, um, but there's also um, uh, Sug's Brailless, which is really, really, really fucking cool. Um, and or, also has one of the best names in all of CDH. I just want to throw that out there. <laughs> shout out to Shaper Taint. Yeah, uh, I've had a lot of questions <laughs> about that name. <laughs> uh, there's also, you know, obviously we have, we've also had some, um, you know, strategies where they delve in with Xur. Um, there's obviously the classic Thrasios and Timna where they've been using that as well. Um, Timna and Crown. Have been has been a really commonly used um, yes uh, co- consult deck. Um, well, because sorry, but because that deck for a long time didn't really have a real win condition, right? Because it's one hundred percent fairly hard to find a win condition that like in that deck when it doesn't have an infinite mana outlet. Yep, and now it now it has a very consistent one. Um, now that especially with a, a couple of printings of few you know important cards in the last <laughs> couple sets, um, namely like a you know. Uh, base Jace and uh, and Smothering Tithe have made uh, have made that that deck pretty sweet. Oh my God, Smothering Tithe! Yeah, <laughs> that's a great one. Oh uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, so um, you want to talk a little bit about a little bit about Bricks? It's it's kind of a bit of an outlier between the others because you know most all these other decks are console plus tainted packed with Labman's or, or Jace stuff. Um, like you know, mind talking a little bit about how. 
um, Brea's oh, uh, sure, outlier no on that? Uh, well, the big thing about Brea is that, like, as an infinite mana outlet, uh, it's not drawing its deck. Like, a lot of the infinite mana outlets are deck-looping decks. They're about sink mm-hmm. into infinite mana, and then you loop X cards. Uh, Brea doesn't really need that. It's just an X damage so for pinging. You sacrifice Brea over and over again to hit your opponents in the face. Uh, so with that, you can be a little bit more aggressive with the XL tutors. So say you have the Oriox Salvagers. It doesn't matter if you XL your whole deck to go grab that LED. Um, Lion's Eye Diamond, just for people who are not familiar. Yeah. Um, you can go ahead and do that aggressively there. Now, it's not primarily like a Lab Man type deck. In fact, right now I even cut Lab Man. I'm only running um, Jace, the new Lab Man Jace. <laughs> and otherwise it's going to be, yes, Ice Crown's Scepter, Dramatic Reversal, and Oriox Salvager's Lion's Eye Diamond. Those are your main combos when you're going in for the win. Fantastic. Awesome. Yeah, no, that deck, that deck is that deck is sweet. I really I really appreciate the way that um it leverages those uh those those uh you know forbidden tutors like so well. Yeah, just having played against it uh personally playing against suck a lot in the past. Um mm-hmm. that deck is really interesting in the way that it has a very it it tends toward being a very aggressive strategy, at least from what I can see, but also has this one condition that is effectively you just can't deal with it with stacks in any way or onboard hate but you just have to have the stack interaction to deal with console a lot of the time right yeah a big yes. part of making it that way was to wanted to shore up some of the weaknesses of traditional braille because like braille gets hit hard by a lot of stacks effects <laughs> so when you have that nice backup you don't have to worry about like oh i'm just out of the game because there's like a null rod in play or something Yeah, um, which which really makes sense because, at least from my opinion, I uh, I think I've had a lot of issue with past Bray lists just because of basically losing to everything, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I believe there's one more that we want to talk about or get through at least, um, which is Zur, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, the console Zur. Yeah, Zur is kind of a tricky one as there's never sort of been really an agreed upon Zur consult list. I mean, the combo there is is the same as the Kess, but you, you lack the graveyard recursion with Kess, so it's always going to be either an A plus B or an A plus B plus C combo if you're using Lab Men. There are like uh, can... a few lists that are also like the Tainted sh- Shimmer because like Shimmer, you're yeah on your comboing off on your end step, so having the Exile Tutors being instant speed is really sweet for that deck. So a lot of the Shimmer Mirror lists have moved away from being like um, the Gush Tide mana base into being more like Singleton mana base and focusing on the XL tutors and your end step. Interesting. That was the version I played more of than like your sort of straight Zoran consultation, I think it was called, which seemed to lean a bit more into like mid-range value and either way that that deck any iteration of Zer really runs a boatload of interaction. But running the Tainted Shimmer is great. You have these consultation lines, which, like, Zer's hit by the artifact stacks as well, your Null Rods and Stony Silences and now, like, Collection Oof and stuff. But the thing that's awkward about trying to combine the Tainted consultation lines with the End Step Shimmer, um, like, the Tainted 
Uh, tutors go really well with adnors. If you hit like one of the pieces along the way, they can help make your adnors really strong. But if you pick up like a lab man off a necro for thirty in end step, it's really awkward. Like the instant speed forbidden tutors is still really nice in that situation for like pe- putting the other things together you need to storm off. But it just stings <laughs> when you pick up the lab man. <laughs> and it's like oh. Uh, I've seen people honestly try to jam like Flash. There's a one white speed instant that cantrips that lets you play a creature. Scouts warning. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty oh, spicy. Um, <laughs> I never, I never leaned into it myself. I just kind of accepted that that was like not a great layering aspect, but it still plays. It's a strong deck. Yeah, which which is sort of really like an interesting. Uh, case study and and also this this sort of pairs with Brea, but how consult tends to be just because of its slot efficiency and um just like efficiency in general it tends to layer very nicely with a lot of other combos right it it does and and like another thing to add on to it's also just like super resilient to just stacks effects in general um you know like outside of you know stuff like you can't draw cards during somebody's turn or something like that like that's really all that kind of stops those strategies from going off yeah which is really i think part of its niche in the meta right now right it's it's effectively Mm -hmm. it's it's very difficult to play stacks against a consult deck right yeah because you can you can you can attack their mana production and you can attack oh like maybe they're on casters there and you can play a null rod but that doesn't actually stop you from winning right no right it's like you're you're po- you're perfectly fine. Just like all right, well, if I just have to keep doing like land go, you know, and I have a couple and I have enough lands to just like you know slam my combo down, and I'm like all right. Um, I think like one of the biggest uh, things that have like really kind of pushed uh, consult to like kind of like the forefront, um, you know, just like just really it's very well known now is uh, the printing of uh, Jace Wield of Mysteries. Um, I think that's kind of like the biggest thing that's really made like all these other decks kind of like want to play it now too. Um, like the Timnas and Thrasioses and the Timnas and Crowns. Um, well, yeah, because now you just like a big thing is that before, like as good as the old Lamb combo is, it's still like a three card combo. Sure. You get a lot of redundancy with the yep. cantrips, but like it's still a three card combo. Now it's a two card combo, which is like good in CDH <laughs> without the command without, without even having a commander in play too. And like, that's just, like now it's and it's literally just one it's one B U U U to win the game, like in any deck that can run consultation and Jace. Yeah, I think previously you were really looking more for commanders and strategies that allowed you to get like something extra out of them, like Kess being able to use it twice to put the whole thing together, or the food chain mm-hmm. decks that exile the creatures with them along the way, or Bray are just not giving a crap about what you hit because you're just trying to put together infinite mana and you win with Bray herself. But now that you've got Jace, like... And I mean, Timna and Thrasios was still a pretty good spot for a creature lab man effect because both Timna and Thrasios can get you the draw and, like, <laughs> yeah. a million other ways in Sans Red. But in Timna Chrome in particular, like, that's just so nice. And Zer too, like you, you you don't even need to actually have anything specific really besides the fact that you were otherwise looking to draw a chunk of cards and you're in a blue black something, something. Yeah, it's just it's so easy just to fit in 
in those in those general UB UB shells. Yeah. Um. So I think I think we got through most of the commanders that we specifically wanted to talk about with that, right? Um, I think I just wanted to, at least I wanted to touch on this because I think it's uh, pretty, I, I think it's a pretty widely asked about for a lot of decks mm-hmm. and it doesn't necessarily yep. get covered that much, um, which is just how, how easy is it to just pick up a console deck and play with it, right? Because there are a lot of, there are a lot of decks out there Specific, like if you look at like food chain decks, they're like because of the food chain angle, they're difficult to play. A lot of people get really intimidated when they pick up a storm deck because it's just a lot of stuff to think about, right? Um, yeah. So just like how how easy would you guys say it is to just get into either the format with a console deck or already being in the format but not having played the archetype before, uh, just picking up a console deck and playing it. So. I, I, I'm like, you know, please, I, I want to, I definitely want to hear what, um, what Suggs and Red's opinion on this is, but I, I kind of feel like it's, it's one of the more, I, I feel like it's a bit difficult to kind of get into. Like, I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't recommend console as like a very, very first like CDH deck. Um, cause I kind of feel that it especially you're playing like Kess in particular. Um, I kind of feel like non green strategies are kind of difficult because you, you, you have to make a lot more important mulligan decisions. Um, like that's, I feel like that's a really, like a really big part because, you know, you don't have the access of mana dorks. Um, and then also you have to kind of like read the table because Kess can be either a very kind of quick deck, um, you know, depending if you get all the gas that you need or, you know, you could play grindy, um, you know, by doing like land, you know, land signets and all that kind of stuff and playing value, um, and then on top of that, just kind of like assembling the the consultation, um, and you know, getting the right amount of mana and knowing how to use, you know, how to leverage your ad nauseums and your necropotences, um, I feel is kind of you know, it, it's a big skill intensive. Um, I mean, I, I I mess up my my combos all the time, um, or like I'll like you know I'll do a bad I'll uh, ad nause at the worst time and be like oh well hey, I'm dead, um, and so I, I kind of feel that. It's not the easiest, but I mean, with however, with Jace now being in the play, like the combo gets so much easier. So um, it's a lot easier. Know, it makes it a lot easier to map out your turns, right? When you don't have to necessarily like save a cantrip. Yeah, for me, it, I feel like I have to like constantly play console like all the time in order to like get good with it. Because if I leave it, a lo- if I go over to another deck and I try to play something else, I'm like, and I come back to it, I'm like, oh wow, I'm, I'm trash at this. Yeah, I think a lot of it. All of the difficulty is just from, like, the blue-black shell cards. Like, I mean, you're winning through consult, but if all you ever do is playing the deck is just, like, try to assemble that, and, like, that's often not the way you're actually getting there. It's usually, like, you're getting there through, like, Adnaz or Thief Wheel. Like, right. yeah, like, theoretically, you're always getting there through Labman consult, but, like, how you approach that is pretty rarely just, like, I cast Labman or Jason consult. Like, sometimes you get that, but often you're wanting, like, a bi- big card draw... Or, you know, yep. yeah, that kind of thing there. I'd, I'd agree. Yeah, I'd agree that it's it's not easy. Um, like, you mentioned the deck can go quick, and it can. I think I have had, like, a turn two once ever, and it was, like, a completely all-in chain of vapor sacking both my two lands to recast Cheerios <laughs> to get there. And, like, it was glorious, but it'll never happen again. There are just there there are faster decks, which means that you got to really like, you need to lay some kind of value engine, and you need to land mana rocks. As Wedge mentioned, we can't rely on dorks, which then just turn into 
Phyrexian arenas if you're on Timna. So, yeah. like, you need to have a game plan, which means yep. you do need to see a few things. And that game plan isn't like, oh, sweet, assemble LabJace plus Tainted Tutor as quickly as possible. Like, that's not the game plan. That's, like, what yep. happens to happen at the end. You're almost certainly going to have to disrupt somebody else. And, like, if you get sucked into interacting too early you're just gonna you know leave the gates down for the person holding up their flash so it's right. it's not it's not easy but it does because the wing con is so resilient like you can afford to just cop a null rod on the table even if it hits you a bit hard to hold up that like one piece of interaction you know like it hasn't stopped you winning it slowed yeah. it down and like you yeah it it takes a lot of patience, and sometimes you do need to like really race for it. But yeah, tricky. So, would you guys say? Because um, sort of me listening to this is um, this is a question that I have. Um, is so even though so pretty much any CDH deck will require a fairly high level of technical play just to be able to consistently not make mm -hmm. just technical play mistakes. But would you guys say that? Consult generally as an archetype, as a standalone archetype, um, is a lot heavier on game sense rather than technical play. It, re it rewards you knowing pods and, compos and compositions and having like generally good decision making rather than technical mechanical well, play. The or, lines, or would you say it's the still lines the are around? simple. Like you don't need to memorize, you know, a, a full page document like you do if you want to play Raza Hulk, like. You don't. <laughs> it's like, oh wait, how do I do my free pivot again? Oh, damn! Better look up that Astral Codex Rimer. Google Doc from two years ago. It's like you do the win kind of simple. It's it's about like wading through the game in between, and like that. I don't think there's really a shortcut through like the experience required to to get good at that. <laughs> I, I I um. I kind of think that it's it's a mix of both. Like you need to have a good knowledge of technical sense and like board sense, uh, because like at the end of the day, like console is like or at least cast console and just the non the non green ones. They're they're ad nauseum they're ad nauseum necropotence notion wheel notion wheel decks. Um, you know, like that's really that's really their plan A's, you know, it's not to like get that two card assembly. It's usually, I want to, I'm going to resolve an ad nauseum or necropotence to draw my combo or, um, or, you know, or play a notion wheel to do that or whatever. Um, and so there's a lot of like little small technical things on playing ad nauseum and no, like knowing when to knowing, knowing when to resolve it. And then also like how to kind of like play your, you know, play your mana you know, using, you know, doing like, uh, like red said earlier, like, Oh, I'm going to be using like chain of vapor to bounce my own lands to, to recast my own rocks, to get enough mana to play Jace plus demonic consultation, um, or knowing how deep to go on your necro potence based on the board, based on the board state, you know, it's like, all right, am I going to, am I going to feasibly be able to win next turn if I go super deep on my necro or are all the shields going to be up and I need to just kind of start necroing for like four or five cards at a time or something. Um, and and then off and then obviously you know there's the whole reading the you know reading the board it's like you know do I want to as Red was saying earlier you know do I want to set up and you know you know play my rocks and have interaction up um, based on the board state because there's like you know two flashbulb players at the table 
Um, or do I want to, you know, try and be like, I'm going to go, you know, dark ritual into, into notion thief end of turn, then untap and play, a, you know, play a wheel. You know, it's like, there's, there's a lot of different kind of, um, it, it's kind of just, UB, it's kind of just UBX, you know, decks in general, where you just have a lot of, there's a lot of lines. There's like, there's like a, there's too many decisions. There's a lot of decision trees you can make. And I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of think that it's more of a technical thing that you need to know more than a board sense, but, or maybe it's like more like kind of like a fair balance of both. For the gotcha. Deck. Well, it's yeah. probably worth mentioning that if you try to play tainted Shimizu, then you're going to need to be able to do manual storm lines as well. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Is, yeah. So, like, if this is actually sounding like fun to you and not putting you off, like it probably should, then maybe Tainted Shimizer is for you. <laughs> yeah, you Just don't have, have as many good at the game stormy overall. lines in cast, but you do occasionally have some because you're compared to like traditional stormless, you're less able to output quite as much mana post like a big Nas or a thief wheel. Like you, you don't quite yeah. have as much mana uh, production ability, so. You do occasionally have like lines where you're playing a bit like a storm deck after a big nulls, trying to figure out how to squeak out that mana to like lava land mana to draw or that kind of thing. But yeah, generally you're using manual storm lines less. Yep, mm. definitely makes sense. Um, so just one one little small thing before we move on from specifically this. Um, so say if uh, somebody wanted to get into console, but you think they might have to pick up some more skills uh, in CDH in general, and maybe they have to. They should probably refine their technical play and gain a bit more game sense before they get into the deck. Um, yeah. What what other similar types of decks, or maybe not so similar, uh, would you guys suggest them play instead to work up to that point? My recommendation is uh, probably Grixis Twin. Um, I mean, that's, I mean, like it's, you know, it, it's not as popular as it used to be, but I think it's like, it's a very simple kind of combo um, and allows you to kind of just play around with, with, uh, with blue, black X decks in general and just kind of get a feel for it. Um, but that's like, I mean, it, it's an older deck though. Um, so I'm, I'm not sure if that's what everyone else would think. What do you guys mm, suggest? My advice would just be hop right in. It's okay to be bad for a while if you like oh, to sure. play the deck because like, it's a good deck, it's a strong deck, and yeah, learning curve might be steep at the start, but once you get a better feel for the format, you'll start to know like when it's safe to go off and what feels like, what feels okay as you're entering in. Like it's often a matter I of think, reading the table. I think maybe even consultation Septus Rasios could be a bit more forgiving. You've got the dogs, <laughs> you can like more aggressively like just put together a, a simple to understand infinite mana combo and it's gonna go wrong a lot because you're trying to like jam it together too quickly in the early days but you'll be able to cast the timner and maybe even get a second attempt in the same game in that deck <laughs> so the, i don't know but it's definitely not yeah. like a cheaper way to go into it like either way you should i would recommend proxying up to to start out with yeah um yeah I would like to change my opinion to both of theirs. It sounds way better than mine. No, no, no. Wedge, you're good. Somebody, somebody, no, somebody had to mention Grixis Twin. It had to happen <laughs> yeah. sometime. There you go. Um, all right. So unless you guys have any more comments, which feel free, but uh, I think we've covered a lot of, um, so, you know, so the current state of the deck overall. Yeah. How it works, all that good stuff. Um, so just wanted to move on to just touching on uh, hybrid console decks, so decks that use the 
demonic consultation package or the tainted pack package um but don't necessarily like are not necessarily all in on those win cons to win the game that also have other access to win cons but want to use the same packages um and just just go through and just check them out maybe not have full discussions on them but just make it known right. um and i know this is fairly relevant right now just because of the recent paradox engine ban rest in peace yes. yeah pst um, is now so, cst yeah, there, there are a lot of decks that have been switching over to a console package in lieu of the Paradox Engine package, right? Yeah, there's also some decks that have also switched um, over to a, a binder package because they no longer exist. <laughs> Get, uh, rest I, in peace. I think it's it's probably fair to say that Paradox of Thrasios, like was kind of leaning this way anyway, like in Shaper's last update with the last set on reddit for all of his paper decks he updated pst his list and posted a link to his like consultation septa thrasios list then and like a few days later or what maybe a few weeks later we've had the ban like yeah this idea was gaining traction and now it's just been given a bit of a, a nudge in that shell in particular yeah definitely right um and then as we mentioned before, food chain. Well, it's even better now, right? Because yeah. your outlet with the first sliver is just the lab man effect. So you just yeah. <laughs> if you didn't think it could possibly get any better than getting your one card combo with your commander and exiling this other sort of incidental thing along the way, the actual layer that you get is now the same outlet because you you don't have to run any actual things to find off Niv or Tazri. So good. So, yep. so, so here's, so here's the, uh, here's the question. Is everything just eventually going to converge toward consult? Just every, I mean, every deck's going to end up playing. If you have blue and black, you just jam consult. I mean, it depends on the mana base, but I mean like with the way mana bases are like so free to build, even at a, even at a, to make it into a singleton, it's like, like tainted packed, like as a, just as a card, is pretty sweet, um, and like even even Najila's running it now. They're running. They run. They run Jace. Uh, they run Jace as a ba- as a backup win because they're already leveraging the the Forbidden Tutors. Yeah. So maybe maybe in the near future, maybe post Flashbane, we'll just every every deck will be a console deck. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> there's no getting away from it. Noting how slept on the Exile Tutors were for the longest time, like they've been around <laughs> yeah. since the beginning. These are old cards, but they just weren't played or used very often until the past couple of years. Of note as well, Demonic Consultation is a banned card and or restricted card in every format that it could be legal in as well. Yep. So it's not exactly like an unknown piece of tech. <laughs> mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, it's so strong. Yeah, it's just there, there's, a, <laughs> there's a lot and I think people finally just caught on. It's like, yeah, yeah. this is a good card. So I know also there are a couple of other, there, there are a few other decks uh, that are running console, you know, layered some other stuff. And I we won't go into this a super large amount because I know there are two people in this voice call that could dominate on the discussion and keep it going forever. Um, but we'll touch on them quickly. <laughs> <laughs> so I know there are a lot of, surprisingly enough, Hulk decks that have been appropriating yes. Tainted Pact and console for their own use uh, recently. Um which is, I, I mean, sort of surprising considering, you know, the general trend of Hulk has a lot of pieces you don't want to lose, and why would you ever run 
forbidden tutors with those but um what are you guys opinions on this because are, are those I'm like i'm so like, on board with this oh yeah i think are those it's like, great like um as somebody hulk who's decks, played like console a ton but like hulk only a little bit um going over to like play a few games on sacred hulk just felt like totally normal <laughs> <laughs> it's like riding a bike i think what's really made this work is i mean one of the best cards we've had so many good cards for hulk like we really didn't need more but they just keep on coming spell seeker oh my god you just keep finding things to do with that card it's, uh, <laughs> spell i think is a great card for um interfacing like multiple combos right like it, it does a mm. really good job of helping you layer stuff because it can serve multiple roles yeah card is gas you can just pile it with your lab man get your demonic consultation in response to <laughs> any draw that is the leanest Hulk pile you're ever going to get. All right. Good to know. Good to cover. <laughs> I, I yeah. think we can move on from that, <laughs> unfortunately <laughs> enough. Um, so I think those, we've covered most of the hybrid console decks of note. Um, we probably missed one or two. You can yell at the Internet North guys, specifically me. Don't assault these guys. I'll take all the hate if I missed your, whatever your, what, like, blue, black, I'm I'm playing mind over matter and consult and all this other stuff. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Send your hate at me. Um, <laughs> after that, I think we are getting into single card discussion, right? So, going over yep. single card slots that you guys like, that you guys enjoy, that you guys maybe don't enjoy, and want to discuss why they're bad and tell people the truth. Um, get I, into I, it. I would love to. Sp- I'd love to spit some hot truths here. <laughs> um, so, so let's. I think let's first of all go through some of the general card categories in the deck and sort of discuss what you guys think their places are in the deck. What you think like the cutoffs for these effects are at a certain point, all that good stuff. Um, so let's Got start it. off with the draw spell package. So including like you know cantrips, mass draw, um, card advantage in general. Um, so just to kind of start off, you know, for a lot of the things that we would be kind of including in these lists, um, I would encourage people to check out the uh, Kess Consultation Core uh, list. Um, what's included in that is just kind of oh, what we, um, like what we, um, between Redshift, Sug, and myself, um, think are kind of like the bare minimum for running like a Kess Consult deck because the deck is very bare bones. Uh, like for what you need to, you know, for what you need to run, you end up having like a good, like, I don't know if you just play the, the core list, you end up having 12 open slots to just kind of play to whatever you want to play. Like, do you want to play grindy? Do you want to play more fast? Do you want to play kind of middle of the road? Do you want to, do you have like, you know, your, spe- your, your spicy, uh, your spicy cards that you want to jam in? You've got a good number of slots to kind of play with. So um, I think like a lot of the things that we'll be talking about, I think we should be in mostly agreement with, um, but, but maybe yeah, maybe so. we'll talk about the other slots in those. Um, that being said, yeah, totally right. forgot to chill that list. These guys put together, and this was sort of the <laughs> the reason for getting these guys all together in a voice call to do this. <laughs> but um, uh, these guys put together a great cast shell, wrote up a great Reddit post on it. Um, the I'm pretty sure they're actively maintaining it. So if you ever have questions on like what the slots look like, what are like viable cards that you guys want to maybe slot into Kess Console, because it really is one of the most modular decks in the format. You can do whatever you want with it. Um, 
You guys should check that out. We will have that in the description. We will also put the Reddit post in the description if you guys want to check it out. It is great. Highly recommend if you're at all interested in the console archetype, not just Kess. Go check it out. It's great. That being said, let's get on to card draw. Yeah. Um, so with with card draw, you know, we have like a lot of the basic, you know, f- staples for for like cantrips. We have like, you know, you have brainstorm, ponder, preordain, getaxian probe. Um, and then and then from there, um, it kind of gets, you know, you kind of get into like to the like the lesser cantrips um, of, you know, there's like opt. Um, there's like sleight serum vision, <laughs> sl- uh, sleight of hand, um, serum visions. Um, and then. And I think I, I'm not sure if I would go any further on the cantrip. I mean, there's other cantrips that you can run besides those as well. Um, we also have a uh, you know, Ristic Studies are really great. Is a really really powerful um, you know draw card um, that I, I like. I don't think uh, I honestly think it should be. It's like one of the best like cards in the deck because it's just like when you're just playing slow and grindy, like you're just gonna. It's just such a house. Um, and then of course there's Necropotence. Being, I mean, it's not draw; it's put into your hand. But <laughs> um, it's probably worth mentioning top. Oh like, yeah, since it's going top, like it's not so important now. If we mentioned it before, that we've got the lab Jace because he's got his own built-in draw. But previously, part of the reason we're looking like scraping so deep into the barrel with the cantrips and looking for all these other places to find incidental draw effects is just a consequence of it being a three-card combo in the past. So I think. If you've been watching the list since Jace came out, you'll notice that like we're being a bit more critical with the draw that we consider core on the list. Yep. Um, so like one really sweet piece of draw that's been in and out of the different lists would be the cycling on Unearth. Oh yeah, Unearth. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, the cycling <laughs> which is on Earth and reanimate, which has kind of always had that niche slot in the deck for a long time. Yep. Just because it, it gives a, you that sweet pile with intuition, basically, um, where you compile your your consult, the reanimation spell, or your lab man, um, but it doesn't necessarily always come up. Um, and reanimate would be like the other choice you could run there. So if there's a chance that you can hit something juicy in your opponent's graveyards. The reason that Unearth was the choice there before was purely because you're looking for that extra density of draw effect. The lab man. Yep. And it, yeah, it really is like the card that sort of stitches together a just like a basic default intuition pile, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. I'm still on it. It does work. Yeah, it's it's it still works, and like even if you don't run those, you oh, can yeah. have like a fat version using um, Yagwath's will, but. Yeah, it's 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 nice to have that combo you can assemble just with intuition. Yeah, it's yeah, it's sweet. Um, I uh, to be honest, like I haven't gone off with it as much as I'd like with that with that pile. And for me, I've I've recently removed Unearth from mine. Um, but that's because I'm I'm trying to go for like a bit more uh, with Jace being being around. Like I I feel like we have a bit more liberty to be um, to kind of. Focus more on like you know just like I don't know if I want to say good stuff, but like just better like just like a uh, like better quality cards um, in general instead of like more cantrips. Um, but you know that's for another discussion. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll get onto this later, a bit later. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, so 
yeah, so definitely you guys are uh, lower on actual like cantrip card filtering. Um, have you guys felt the the loss of card filtering with the removal of some of them for Jace, or is it things that you're happy to take out of the deck completely and you just want to use up those slots for other things? I haven't missed anything that I've cut in terms of draw. Yeah, yeah I, I would. I, pro I probably would say the same thing. Um, like for me, I think like the line that I stop at is um, like after sleight of hand. Uh, like I'm, I'm kind of going back and forth between running sleight of hand and not running it um, because it doesn't actually draw. But it's good card filtering, mm -hmm. um, especially for those, especially for those early like turn one plays or, or just like it, it makes my mulligans a bit better. Um, you know, just kind of letting me dig a little deeper and keeping like more questionable hands. I don't know if I should just be quick keeping those questionable hands in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> this slide yeah. hand will get me there. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. I think those cantrips are a crutch for any deck. <laughs> yeah. You'll learn to play with Adam, right? All right. Um, yeah. I think that's, we, we, we can cover, I know we're missing a big one. We'll get to it later. Don't worry about it. <laughs> there's, there's a big old five mana, three black, black one. We'll get there in a sec. <laughs> Chill. Yeah. Um, I think we're, we will talk about the interaction package next. I think specifically stack-based interaction. Um, mm -hmm. we, we can talk about yeah. proactive hate a bit later, but uh, what have you guys been liking stack interaction-wise? Because I know the meta has definitely changed a bit since Consultation Cast was originally put together, and I think there's definitely a... There's, there are differences in the preferable interaction suite, right? Yeah, I think so. Mm. Uh, but I, I kind of feel like with the way that things have kind of changed, I think like about 90% of the interaction suite is like pretty like rank and file. It's just a lot of counter spells for the most part. <laughs> <laughs> You've got a lot in yeah. there. It's sweet. Uh, one thing mm -hmm. that's been super sick, for me at least, Narset Reversal. Oh my god, I'm so sold. I've been you, having, you're definitely sold on I've it. I've been having a great time with that card, man. I tell you. Just Yeah, I yeah. was I was a bit it's skeptical at the first of that card, but it's been amazing. Bread. Yeah. Yeah. I've I've definitely come around to it as well. I think that I think the card is sweet in, in particular um in our in our uh in our deck. I think it's I think it's uh, been a welcome addition. Is definitely that that's happened with a lot of the recent sets, right? Is do you guys have just yeah been getting very like incremental little bonuses and little things here and there? Help yeah, we the got the, oh, yeah, the talisman. We got the fiery islet. Um, yep. Jace, obviously. Like, I'm not personally yep. on force of negation, but that's another pretty sweet relevant card that's come up. Um, yeah, yeah, we've had heaps of good stuff. It's been Christmas. Yeah. It definitely has been. So that being said, that's actually getting a bit off topic here, but um, those those lands have been a pretty great addition to the deck, right? Um, just having not maybe not so much that Jace is here, but um, I I've heard from people maybe not necessarily on uh, dedicated console, but they they help smooth out uh, actual Labman lines. Well, alive. I can say that I'm on Tainted Pact in my breakfast Hulk list and I've already probably won I would say about five games off a um, canopy land trigger with my lab man out 
I got oh, like si- silenced in response to my Hulk trigger, and I just piled with a canopy land out, and I just piled um, the cephalid breakfast combo and Labman, and silence like protected me from my other two opponents. I've had um, just straight tainted packed with that jaw out. I will say like there've been probably a game or two where the opponents been like, oh, was that a canopy land? Like they've missed it, which has been like their fault, but it's still sweet. <laughs> Yeah. It's not much you can do about it anyway. I mean, I haven't. I've lost the game to another consult player that's triggered their draw off their fiery eyelet. <laughs> so it works. I've seen it. Yeah. It's also well. It also helps, like, just by taking out the worst land in the deck because you need to be on a singleton mm-hmm. mana base anyway, right? So it's not like you have to agonize over do I take out a basic for this card it's okay what is the worst land in the deck we can just make a direct swap um i've i've also won games with like with those with those land cards uh also namely cephala coliseum i've i've done things where like i ended up like exiling i don't know like 80 cards from a from a consult looking for jace and then i was like oh i've got like almost no cards left and then ended up keeping the uh getting the Jason then using Cephala Coliseum to draw three, discard three. Um, and I was like, okay, this is, this is pretty sweet. And then fiery Islet. I, I can't wait to be able to, to, to win uh, under a, an abrupt decay or something, trying to kill my, uh, my lab man or something or bounce ball trying to bounce my Jace. Oh yeah. I haven't had that with fiery Islet, but I've had that with a uh, Cephalid Coliseum in the past where it's like <laughs> people are trying to move in response and then just use the land. People often forget those effects are there. Yeah, I've right. been noticing that lately. <laughs> um, that sort of it, okay. You know what this this is this falls under interaction. I'm gonna yeah. short it in here. Um, that that was also a big thing about uh, Jace getting printed. Right, is that it specifically dodges abrupt decay, where yes. that was oh, a well, large CMC. weakness of the deck pre Jace printing due to Labman just dying to abrupt decay. But now it's a lot safer. Nas sets reversal yep. notably good for that situation too. Also a great one. Oh yeah. Um, that was another big like abrupt decay has been the absolute thorn in the side of this deck. I have lost so many games oh, to my same, own draw. Same. <laughs> it was because yep. some cheeky bastards held up their abrupt decay like they should. Yep. And we yeah. got a four CMC wing con that took away like an entire card from the combo and a counter for an uncounterable removal spell. That's beautiful. And a draw on a land. <laughs> it just, it just <laughs> everything. <laughs> oh my. Yep. Um, Thank you, where, where are you guys? Sorry. Uh, where are you guys on uh, removal right now? What's your What's your sort of cutoff point? What's your package look like? So with um, I, I think with with engine getting banned. Um, I've, I've kind of, and I've also just kind of, you know, we're talking with, uh, with red and Sug and just other players. I've, I've come around to running both blasts now, both red and pyro, uh, red elemental blast and pyro blast. I was previously just on pyro. Um, but, uh, I, have recently come around to running both. Um, cause I just think there's, you know, there's going to be, there's more Jason, there's going to be more Jace now. Um, and you know, more stuff to more blue stuff to counter. That definitely yeah. makes sense. Yep, yep, blue is good and everywhere. <laughs> um, have you guys have you guys felt the need for uh, more hard creature removal or less hard creature removal recently? Maybe because of uh, fewer commander centric strategies, you might want to be switching off soon, or 
maybe the opposite or indifferent? Uh, Honestly, Mike, oh, you go ahead. Shane. Oh yeah, no, I was just gonna say like often like there's not a particular creature we're trying to remove like so I find I don't want to run a ton of like single target creature removal. Another few like sweepers can be nice. They are often tempo plays against like the sea of thrust him the decks but um yeah yeah i haven't felt the need to really want to overload on those kind of effects there there is one thing that i think like i like i don't run pognify or any of that kind of stuff lately um and that instead of kind of like oh do i want to play creature removal why don't i just play creature theft and <laughs> uh, I, I you know like we previously haven't been on like or i haven't been on gilda drake until now and i'm like oh that's a mistake um, so now I'm running Gilded Drake instead of like, well, why run like, you know, like a bounce spell for a creature or Pognify when I could just take it and get their and get their sweet value that they provide. Um, so, you know, like Gilded Drake, I think, is a great option for for creature for creature hate or um, as an as an option. And then there's also, um, you know, uh, Legacies Allure, which uh, I know uh, you uh, you guys have been hawking that a lot uh, sick. Um, a ton. Yeah, not not to yeah. show my own list on the console podcast, but um, <laughs> I think we found that Legacies of Lure has served. Um, it's a it serves a different role, a similar role to Gilda Drake, but it serves a, a definitively different role. Um, in that, along with being sort of a value card where you can just take somebody's Timna or take somebody's Zur is the big one. Um, it also acts as like an onboard hate piece, technically. Just for, a rattlesnake. Um, yeah. Just can so like nabbing people's Hulk pieces when they try to go off, um, basically just stops them from doing that. Um, it's it's like a preemptive hate piece against Zer, so like it can stop Zer from actually casting Zer because they don't want to have it just insta stolen. Uh, stuff like that. So yeah, would you guys consider Legacies Allure possibly if we get into a point in the meta where you just want to be taking things? <laughs> I, I'm actually I, I've been I've been considering it uh, quite a bit lately. I need Gilded Drake first before I try Legacies. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, <laughs> I'm not on that yet. Yeah, I feel like Gilded like Drake is something reasonable. I should probably be running right now, but uh, Legacies Allure I'm a little bit more skeptical on. Yeah, I would. I think I would. I would run um, Gilded Drake uh, first, and like instead of a Legacies Allure, I wouldn't run it over Drake. I would run it with with Drake. I want. I would want both effects or or just Drake. That's definitely fair. Um, are you guys? Are you guys more? Are you all migrating toward Gilded Drake being okay as a value play, and is why you're running it, or are you still solidly in the you should be running Gilded Drake just to steal like key cards or to steal like things that are like huge impact? Um. So like, I'm I'm of a very uh I'm always of the mind of like I want to play I only want to play cards that progress my own game plan in some sort of way. Um, and it's like, so creature removal is just like, I'm playing that to get rid of something to either like, you know, to stop myself from losing. And so that, that kind of like idea just doesn't resonate well with me. And Gilda Drake is like, okay, well, I, not only do I remove the threat that's against me, but I'm also gaining something out of it. You know, like I want to take, you know, I want to take something really, really good. That's going to like, that's going to like make me the closer to winning. If that makes any sense. Yeah, no, it definitely does. Um, second red i like to point it at decks that really rely on their commander's commander like if you can take a yisan it's not necessarily the most valuable thing for us but it's like gg and if you're not relying on yisan to help you like temper the table or he's already dropped a nice 
piece of stacks that you're playing through that's hurting somebody else. It's like time yep. to time to steal that boy. Um, like Zer's, <laughs> Zer's sweet because you get your necro. Obviously, um, that's amazing. He's, or grabbing your own remora uh, for protection yep. for the combo turn. Um, or whatever. Like um, that's got to be the biggest target. I don't really point it at like value or mana. Like I probably wouldn't point it at something like a Bloom Tender in particular, or like a Priest of Titania, or even without some sort of mana sink for value. I'd rather try to take something that's like, yeah, gonna help me out, but like also wreck somebody else if possible. So, oh, absolutely, yeah. Are you, are you guys decidedly not in the take Timna with Gilded Drake camp? Um, I I would if I ended up having a couple. If I had like you know Kess. Um, and like something else in play, but I'd probably rather steal like a crown or something. Makes sense. Yeah, so I'd, I'd steal a crown. Like, stealing a Timna with a Gilded Drake, it's okay, but I don't know if I do it most games. Right. That's right. You, you have to have a very specific board state, I'm assuming, for you to want to do that. Yeah, like if I have a cast out and things are less like grinding to a halt, it's pretty decent. You've got a Kess out, then there's a Teferi player there that's just, like, asking for it, <laughs> feeding the Timna player draw, <laughs> and there's nothing else happening, and you've yeah. got a Gilded Drake, maybe. Like, pretty specific, but I can see it happening. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, so that was a fair amount on interaction, which is great. Glad to yeah. get that. And then, obviously, you know, we general interaction with counterspell package not yep. sure if to go into that that much um yeah it's, it's pretty it's pretty like you know rank and file just you know it's a standard like all the good blue counter spells and pyroblast and red elemental blast you know definitely makes sense um and then oh sorry i i we probably should uh, i think your guys's well i, I don't want to put words in your mouths but um i would believe that you're like lower bound for Counter magic is probably delay at this point, right? Like the like the like the like the bottom line of it. Yeah. Um, you know, let me take a look. I think I think it's probably I like delay. Yeah, Personally, I love delay too. I've I'm running delay before I'm running maybe a couple of other counters actually. So 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 let's um, rephrase that question. What are you guys' personal opinions on what's the worst counter spell in the deck? Ooh. And look I'm look. Let me look at. I gotta look at mine here and see what. You know, there are some, like there's one that I'm always coming back on, which is spell pierce. It's been really good, but it can yeah. also just fade. Yeah, into spell pierce can just be dead sometimes. I still like it though. Um, I like it. I, I don't know if that's necessarily my first cut either, though. But it's one that I'm often thinking about. Um, I, I've been constantly. I've been constantly going back and forth between negate and spell pierce on on my on my list. Yeah, um, I value I value delay uh, pretty highly over over negate. Yeah, um, yeah. Those those two are kind of like my my line right now. Definitely makes sense. Just um, like explicitly because delay hits creatures. Basically, you, you don't have as many that can do that. Um, and it's really important, obviously, for like you get rogue matchup. Oh. oh yeah, yep. Yeah, I, I'm assuming you would definitely have to fill in 
the whole of not having Pondify or Rapid Hybridization somehow, because, like, yeah, otherwise it's it becomes, I'm assuming anyway, it would become very difficult to, like, more permanently deal with either a Gitrog or something like that, Urza, Zer, something like that. Yeah, we hate out the cheap dogs really well. We've got the cursed totem, but yeah, stuff for toughness and above that's really impactful. Yeah, Zerza, Frog are like great examples there. Um, if you can counter those with a delay, it's great. Makes yeah. sense. Um, speaking of being able to hate out of the decks with stuff like Pyroclasm or Curse Totem, uh, onboard hate. Permanent-based hate, uh, proactive hate, as it were. Um, where are you guys currently on that Boy. front? Oh, I probably take it a little further than <laughs> a little too the far. other two. A little into the stranglehold territory, <laughs> but I got to tell you, this card just cripples gains. But that's probably actually slightly past the line that most people would draw for proactive hate. You're looking at things like basically just Cursed Totem at this point and Notion Thief, I suppose. Um, you, also have, you also have Rhystic Study. I mean, that's, uh, th- there's a, that's also a... I would consider that a hate piece. I, I, I yeah. Would, yeah. Sorry, from my... From my experience i would definitely consider rhystic study and i think i think a lot of people realize this is rhystic study is more of a hate piece than a draw engine right mm-hmm. in a lot of cases but it's a very good hate piece unless you're playing with new players then it's a gas piece this, yes frustrating when that happens it's yeah treat it like a sphere people pay the one please please pay the one <laughs> or or don't when you're playing the rhystic study <laughs> <laughs> um, um yeah i know i sorry again I, I don't want to direct the conversation too much but um i was definitely wondering because i've considered it for some of the decks that i manage but um what are you guys's opinions or stances currently on the new planeswalkers so specifically those would be ashok dream render and narset partner of veils so my opinion on ashok is i don't think it's good enough um, I could see it in like some sort of like really, really inbred meta where like everything is Hulk um, and everything is like, you know, graveyard based. Um, and like there's like there's like no or there's like no creatures in play. I, I think Ashok is OK, is like very OK. Um, Narset, I I'm undecided on. I've like kind of gone back and forth between like, do I play it? Do I not play it? Because when I see it played in like other formats and other or just like people jam it in like mono blue like Ur- like Urza or something like that. The that card seems to be a a big uh, pain in my ass. Um, so I'm like, maybe I should be jamming this. But I'd like to hear what your guys' opinion on it is as well. Um, sure. Well, I really obviously like being able to cut my opponents off searching, but I'm also not sold on Ashiok. I mean, coming up against it, on Hulk even, in Timna, it's not been that difficult to just beat it to death. Um, yeah, exactly. The, the random sorcery speed grave hate is really not that good. Um, like, the grave hate that you need to interact 
with Hulk these days, as we mentioned before, it's like random split second crap because you've got to get around memory's journey and even then like they could just be on abolisher and going in their own turn like exiling what's just been sitting there in the graveyard for a turn cycle is probably not like you might get lucky and mill like a nomads encore in the top four of a hulk player but it just seems fragile and the negative ability is not enough to make me want to run it yeah Nasa, i really don't like oh, yeah, that they can be attacked into yeah I mean, we've got, like, Kess is a sweet blocker, but you're probably going to curve out the Na- Ashiok first. Like, otherwise, you haven't, it hasn't done anything, probably. And, like, we do have Pyroclasm and Deluge and stuff, but, like, it's not enough to reliably protect it. So, you got any more, imp- any more input on Ashiok? Uh, in terms of Ashiok, I'm, I really don't like it. I also think Nurset's a little bit overrated. I know Narset's been like the hot stuff for a lot of people lately, but I'm just I'm really not sold on it. It's not an ocean thief effect. Hmm. Yeah, agreed. I'm I'm still not running it. It doesn't give me extra cards. And the fact that it can just die to beats has been like the thing that's been keeping me away from it. Um so Do you run it in Opus Thief Wedge? Uh yeah. Is it it's good a, enough a, as a wheel payout to see play in that list? So uh, it's like I value it like so the worst wheel outlet waste in the not, deck right? is one hundred percent waste not. Yeah. Um I value it more than waste not. Okay. And and that's really and, and that's thing, like when you have like such a high density of wheels already in the deck, um like Narset makes sense to me. Um but I guess kind of kind of like in our deck where we're running just the three wheels, um like Narset doesn't get us any extra cards. Um, I mean, yeah, it strips everybody's hands, but it, you know, mind twists everybody. So it's like, that's where I'm kind of like middling on it. Um, you know, because if I don't have a wheel with it, it's a, it's a bad, it's a three mana impulse. Um, and that, that has like a, a very temporary hate because, you know, in a field of Timnas and Ajilas, which is what I play against pretty, pretty frequently. Um, like a typical table for me is like, uh, a thrust Timna deck, an Ajila deck, and then maybe like Zer or get Rog or something like that. Um, Narset just would not like survive a turn cycle in my, uh, in, in my meta in particular. So it's like, I've been kind of like, nah, it's, it's yeah, really but... the pods where you're not able to block for it effectively with just cast, right? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, and, and usually if I'm casting like the way that my games play out nowadays is if I'm casting Kess, I'm, I'm trying to play into some sort of grind or I've run out of options. Um, you know, because I don't, I try not to rely on my commander too much. So it's, yeah, you know, I don't have, I don't have her up as a blocker as much as I'd like to. That definitely makes sense. Speaking of good gilded Jake targets. (laughs) Kess tends to die pretty quick or eat something along those lines. So even, even the fact that it is a good blocker, like rarely relevant. Yeah, and definitely that definitely does make sense. Um, I think other proactive fate. We'll we'll touch on a few. I think later on. Actually, we we can we can do a couple now that are inside of this yeah. uh, category because I think um, there are a few people, and I know I know a few people personally who have sort of fallen into this trap of um, specifically attempting to play Graftigger's Cage against 
Hulk strategies. They just they get so deep into the <laughs> I need to beat Hulk whole that oh man they... is this noobs jamming it into Zer with rest <laughs> in peace at the expense of Yorgmoth's will? It might be. It might be. <laughs> oh my god, he could not be talked out of that. You know, sometimes you just got to learn on your own. Um. But yeah, so <laughs> do you guys want to do you guys want to tell me why Grafdigger's Cage is a bad card in Kess? <laughs> well, I mean, it kind of turns off the whole point of, of the commander. I mean, just a little bit. Gets rid of us having a one card win con from our exile tutors. But but what if but what if somebody gilded Drake's your Kess? Come on, you gotta stop them from casting out of their graveyard, right? <laughs> oh man. Oh, well, man. I mean I'm also on JVP. And wedges on JVP and Snapcaster, like, yeah. and in the like, like consultation scepter decks in green, you could maybe yeah. do it. But at, like, it also it's kind of like a choice between that and your will. I feel like I've seen people run both and just be like, sort of play around it. But I personally wouldn't want to have that sort of number in the list in the first place. Now, Yorg's will is just too good for me to give up. To hate somebody yeah, else out. Agree. Yeah. Yeah, 100% agree. That's, uh, yeah, there's, there's a thing called asymmetrical hate. And that is not, that is not asymmetrical. <laughs> that is, yeah, that is not it. The same it, Chief. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think that's about all the proactive hate that you guys would consider running, right? I mean, along with the obvious curse totem. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Curse Totem is uh, definitely core um, in the uh, in in the list. Like, it, you know, our our decks. It's just such a it's such a huge tempo piece mm. that it's worth it's worth running. You know, and that, that kind of comes into the whole onboard hate. You know, the whole point of playing these onboard hate is it's not to just kind of you know lock somebody out. It's to it's to give our, buy ourselves enough time. It's supposed to be played as tempo. Um, and so you know, and like that's where you know that's where like with uh, with Red he runs um, you know Stranglehold. And I'm assuming, because, you know, from from the way that he's talked about it, is like it's such it's probably such a huge tempo piece that it's like, you know, like especially you know, I'm assuming your games can get kind of grindy on your end, right? Definitely, it's kind of just like, uh, you don't want to be putting too many cards in your list that just like bank off, like these really explosive fast mana hands. But you want some density of like haymakers, right? Like sort of. Non-committal but high-impact stuff that makes people think like, do I need to blow some interaction on this? Even though I know it's not technically part of the winning line. I think another good example of that would be like, cats trying to reanimate a gin on turn two, being like, well, shit, like, we kind of got, <laughs> we got to handle this. And in the same sort of way that you can have those kind of plays in that kind of deck, like things like Mana Vault and Dark Ritual and Pedal, you know, enable the odd turn two Ristic study and it's massive people just have to think well like can i actually play through this is my deck the fastest like is somebody else being yeah. hurt more by this it puts a lot of pressure on the table like it's mana cost can mean that if you're bringing it down like it's just you can't really tap out for it on turn three or it might be a little bit too late but if you can slam it early and you're early in the turn cycle it interacts with fetches it's like yeah, it can be crippling, but it does rely on a, a, a particular hand. Well, all right then. Um, I think we're going to do uh, one more section on general card categories, and then we'll, we'll move on from there. But um, 
the final one would be Wraths. So Wrath of God effects or, you know, Pyroclasm effects. Things that deal with stuff on the board. In our case. Yeah. Um, um, where are you guys on those right now? What's the word? Uh, so for me, I'm on I'm on Rolling Earthquake, Toxic Deluge, and Pyroclasm um, for Wraths. Um, if I want to go a bit deeper, probably my next my next card that I would include would either be um, either Massacre or or Yehenis or um, maybe that new Flame Sweep. I kind I I kind of think that Flame Sweep card is pretty sweet. You can live the I'm, dream of double flame sweep and not kill your own cats. <laughs> yes, I'm, yes. I'm on the same three. Um, Pyroclasm is just... It just does so much work against the dogs, the Najilas, the Timnas. Um, yeah. I'm pretty sure we've got at least two of them down as core. And maybe Pyroclasm's like the third one but i i'm pretty sold on having all three at this point and i would also be looking okay. at probably yeah Yehenny's expertise as my next but i'm pretty happy with three to be honest because you do get the chance um fairly often to to reuse them but you do want to have like a some density of them because you don't want to be searching for them it's really nice to natural into them um, and have them be yeah, that, that kind of tempo play as, yeah. Like, sometimes you have to burn a tutor on a deluge or you just lose, but it's a lot better when you just sort of hit it along the way. Um. Sug? Yeah, for myself, I've been a bit more cautious with Rass. I don't think I've been on Pyroclasm <laughs> lately, but I'd probably go back on it these days. There's there's always so many dork decks around that it's a good sweeper. Other than that, Rolling Earthquake, Deluge. I've never gotten to test Yehenny's. I always felt like I never quite had the meta for it. always wanted something really slow and bearish to like get the value out of that card, but I think it would also be my next choice of like fourth of the sweepers. And I'm assuming we're not counting like Cyclonic Rift and all this. No. <laughs> yeah. No. Which is another great card to have access to. I also have to say I, I I can maybe count on one hand the number of times I've overloaded Cyclonic Rift um, in uh, in my games. Um, it, it like usually I'm 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 usually dead by the time I could ever overload it if there's been like enough hate pieces to like slow down my mana like my mana generation or something like that. It's uh it's very few and far between. It's like most of the time it's a bounce. It's just like a two mana bounce spell for me. I got to Narset's reversal my own overloaded cyclonic rift a few days ago two in one game <laughs> off the one card no less oh that's oh, that's sweet <laughs> i had 10 mana so it must have been like i was paying for heuristic study triggers too like 11 mana must have been so late in the game oh my god but <laughs> another great experience with narcissist reversal let's chill it again get yourself a narcissist reversal <laughs> go pick one up they're going fast <laughs> yeah dude they're, they're going way up there they really um, are. So from the from the looks of it, it sounds like you guys from the sounds of it, from the looks of looking at your sounds, um, <laughs> uh, it it seems like you guys are a bit off of massacre recently, um, which is sort of interesting to me because I think the last time I seriously looked at the deck, uh, I think a lot of people were really considering it. Um, is has there been a change recently, or has it just been playing with the card that has sort of made it 
less desirable than something like Yehenny's expertise. Um, you were talking about Massacre, you said? Yes, sorry, yeah. Uh, I've I've personally never played Massacre in my uh, in my cast list. Um, I I do appreciate that it's very free, but um, kind of along the same thing that Sug said that like if I was in some sort of um, you know bear bear winter um, type of thing, like Massacre would be sounds really really great, like a really great uh, play. Okay, so you you're just not a fan of it in more general metas. Yeah, it's a bit outside uh, of that range. It, it, it's more it, i guess i think it's more just um that there's so many wraths that i would rather run that i already have in the deck um before i go into before i go into massacre um just because like like pyro i, I find pyrochasm is pretty strong um and yeah i mean i i just i i just prefer i think i just prefer those three wraths uh because they're a bit easier on your not on your ad nauseums um and they're just you know they're just so good at what they do already that it's like including massacre is um it's a bit on that line and the others sort of fill separate roles too right rather than just dealing the two yes yes exactly mm. that makes sense um red so I got input on it or <laughs> was that fairly uh yeah wedge kind of summarized it for me i've never been on massacre so i i kind of don't have much to say never really appealed to me as sense. a card um, also, it's like fourth or fifth choice for me, and I've never gone above three. So, makes <laughs> sense. <laughs> um, cool. Yeah, so I think that about does it for rats. Uh, I, I guess the thing to take away from this is three is about the right number. Pyroclasm is a good card. You should always be on Tox Deluge. <laughs> yep, that sounds yep. good. Um, cool. Uh, so. Now that we got through that, uh, I think we want to take a look at some specific cards that might not neatly fit into one of these categories or might warrant a bit more discussion than just that. Um, okay. Specifically, uh, I wanted to get in, first of all, because people are probably clawing at this, clawing at their screens, shouting at me right now, um, just to discuss Adnaz and not whether or not you should play Adnaz, because the answer to that is yes, you should play Adnaz. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're not playing Adnaz, yeah. the question is what's wrong with you. But um, <laughs> I think more of the question about uh, Adnaz, at least for me, that I want to know about is uh, more about how you guys tend to play Adnaz, because I know there are a lot of decks out there, and um, this this can be for Cass uh, in general, but also just your personal play styles on it, because I know there are... A few different ways that people like to abuse Adnaz. Um, there are uh, a lot of people that just use it as a jam on your turn as early as possible and try to get ahead with it, try to win the game immediately. Um, I know a lot more people that are also will never do that in their life and will only end step it and only when they're already in dom dominant position of the game or when they know that it's pretty safe and there's no chance of it getting countered. Um, so I just want to know like where you guys are on that on that range on that scale. So for me, I, you know, I started off um, in Grixis playing Storm, so I'm a bit more aggressive on my on my ad nauseums. Um, like I, I'll main phase an ad nauseum if I if I if I have enough um, if I have enough like uh, mana after resolving it to to try and like attempt a win a win in the game. Um, but I mean, I'll generally ideally, you know, I, you want to end of turn it, um, but you know that can be that can be difficult. 
Um, and sometimes, you know, when all shields are down, uh, and, and like that's the thing, like I'll take that risk um, where it's like if all shields are down, there's no, no, looks like there's no on board, there's no possible chance of there being a counter spell outside of like force of will or something. Um, I'll definitely main phase it um, and see if I, and see if I can, you know, concoct a, a, a pile that wins. Definitely makes sense. Um, yeah, I can I never really see like coming from a storm background, um, having like the playstyle of being a bit more aggressive with them. Um, yeah, I mean, you also have. I mean, and the thing is, like the you know, Sig, Sig mentioned earlier. You know, we're, we're not as fast as Storm, like in that in that kind of ad nauseum sense. But um, you know, like the, when you when you kind of break it down, like we're missing like high tide and like snap and something else or whatever but so but we have like all we have a, a majority of all the uh um mana positive sources so it's like you could like if you if you are doing like you know you have chain of vapor at your disposal you can use um and you know and you have all the all the rocks that we use and dramatic reversal and yagmas will and like a lot of t a lot of the times when i win the game um it's usually from kind of doing from a storm turn essentially um and that's usually what ends up like getting me a uh, closes out a game for me. Definitely makes sense. Uh, red and red and or sug. Yeah, um, I'd kind of agree. I mean, you've got to balance when you think you've got an opportunity and being patient versus like the inevitable chip damage you're going to take as like the Nors Sands Green mm -hmm. deck at the table, but. It's definitely not something that you should put you off, like, the card in the first place, but you don't need to put, like, to get that many cards out of it, right? Like, you don't need that many pieces to put this all together. You just need, like, some mana, really, and, and your forbidden tutors. Like, one thing I like to do if I'm thinking about firing off a Norse is be like, right, well, what exactly do I need to see? Like, what exactly, you know category of cards my draw effect my lab jace effect or my tainted effect do i need to see and remember that like any tutor that i hit depending on the type of tutor it is could be a placeholder for like all of those cards or like two of those cards and like you will get what you need to put together a jace effect a consultation and a draw like of less than 20 life most of the time oh yeah like i would totally also if i felt like Everyone was tapped out. Like, you can't be scared of Force of Wills all the time unless you've actually seen one off something like a probe or whatever. Like, fire it off. Main phase, turn three, like, if you've got the chance to do so. But, yeah, it's just not going to be as good as, like, end of the previous player's turn three. But passing the turn with five mana is, like, the biggest broadcast of all time. So, like... That doesn't work as often as you'd like it to. People just hold up two blue and punch you with their stuff. Definitely makes sense, Sug. Okay, uh, yeah, for the ad nauseum, I agree with what uh, Red was saying there. It is really hard not to signal it if you're trying to do an end step, but at the same time, I don't think we're like a maximal greed ad nauseum deck. You can't, if you don't have enough mana on your main phase, it can be suicide to just try to dig for a win. Oh, 100%. Not that I haven't tried to do that sometimes, but I've often regretted it. <laughs> there, there are always the times when you just have to jam, right? Yeah, I'll admit I've done that more than I should. <laughs> As always. 
Um, cool. So I, I, th I think that was a pretty good rundown on Nas, specifically like in Cass as well as you guys' personal yeah. play styles. Yeah. Um, next, sort of wanted to talk about the problem child out of the Forbidden Tutors. Um, you know, Mega Impulse <laughs> uh, Plunge of Darkness. Um, if you guys think it has uh, plagues in the deck, how much you guys think it actually compares to what the Forbidden Tutors look like, or how much you guys like it, what you use it for, like, purpose-wise. Uh, um, this is cool, right? I'm pretty sure we're all 100% sold yeah, on this. it is a really good card. Uh, yeah. But it's not, this it's not is the a same great as the Forbidden Tutors, card. but it is a really big impulse. <laughs> and it scales. <laughs> it's very, very flexible. So I, a lot of the power would come from knowing how to use it, right? Like knowing how much life you're paying into it at any given point in time. Correct. Uh, yeah, you know, so depending on your on your situation, you know, like worse. I feel like the you know the floor of the card is it's a better impulse. You know, you you plunge, you know, you can plunge for like five or more or less. You know, depending on whatever you need. Sometimes you know you you put something on top of your deck. You need to you know get that card. Um, you can use it like that, um, but then. Like the best mode of it is when you already have like all of your cat like you either have both of your combo pieces, um, or like or you have only one of your combo pieces and you just need the second one. You're like, all right, well let's just go super deep, go for thirty, you know, like plunge for thirty five, get that get that Jace or that Lab Man or that consult that we need um, to to complete the combo. Or if you have both pieces in your hand, you're like, okay, well now I can just end of turn, plunge for like thirty five and grab my Force of Will and have counter you know have counter spell backup. Um, and like, there's just like so much flexibility with that card in general that it's like, yeah, I, I, uh, I'm, I'm happy it's in, in my, in my deck. Definitely makes sense. <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming from the unanimous, yeah, it's a good card from the other two people. You guys have well, similar opinions. It's worth mentioning that like, we got the opportunity to be way more aggressive with this card now that we have two lab man effects as well. Like previously, yeah. it was really good, but you always had to be in the back of your mind, like, "Oh damn, am I about to just like be forced to take my lab man if I see it in this plunge for ten? Which uh -huh. is why, like, I do agree with Wedge that the mode where you've kind of already got everything you need to see, or you're just looking for one last piece or one last protection, like you can comfortably dig in for like twenty, thirty, just to find whatever you need. But now. Because you can't exile your whole deck, like you can't use it to win. I'm a lot happier to fire this one off um, to dig for an answer if I have to. So being able to, like, you know, under duress, <laughs> not take the lab man effect. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Um, <laughs> not take the lab man effect and take, you know, the force as opposed to just losing the game and. Or, like, being forced to choose to, like, stop someone winning at the expense of my own realistic chances of winning and feeling kind of spiteful. Yeah. Definitely makes sense. Uh, don't want to leave Sug out, but... <laughs> oh, no, I mean, I've given, yeah, my opinion on that yeah, card, but, I mean, I think it's... most just good. Uh, I mean, if you're in a situation where all you need is one card to win, you can even, like, sink, like, 30 of your life into it. It's just a matter of what do you need from that card. Yeah. It just, the flexibility mm -hmm. of it is really what gives us its power, right? And also just, like, the, the max, the max level of just digging yeah. up for everything. 
Um, cool. Absolutely. Uh, yep. So I noticed you mentioned before, uh, Wedge and Red, about how you guys have sort of played one of the two or both of JVP and or Snapcaster Mage, so Jace Friden's Prodigy or Snapcaster Mage, sort of as yep. the recursion package, secondary recursion package with Kess, um, and just like being able to get stuff back, recast stuff if needed. Um, I'm assuming yeah. that means, and looking at the list right now, Sug is not on those cards. Um, so I think this is something that's worth discussing about because that's obviously a personal preference thing, right? Yeah. Uh, so uh, JVP's fucking lit. Uh, that's yes. all I gotta say. <laughs> no. Um, so it's like it fills so many. It hits so many check marks in the in the deck. Um, like you know, it's it's a recur it's a recursion card um, for when you don't have Kess, and that's a really big deal because uh, people like to people blow up Kess like on site. Um, you know, they like they, they kind of treat it like Zer. It's like if you get to untap with Kess, they're gonna you like the chances of you winning are very high or likely. Um, so, you know, having, having like another method of like playing like a, a two CMC cast to get that extra console you know, to get that uh, consultation flashback is sweet. And then on top of that, it's a cantrip. Like you or, or it's like, it's card filtering for early turns. And then on top of that, like you can use it to actually like draw your deck. If you have a lab man, you know, in play and be like, all right, I'm going to, you know, activate Jace, you know, and do your loot. Um, and it's just a, um, and it also has, you know, like those other, you know, kind of, you know, cute interactions where, you know, you can do the whole, uh, you know, I, I'll block your Timna and then activate and then flip. Now it's fine. Type of type of thing. The invincible Timna blocker has got me many a time, I must say. Yeah. Um, and then as for as for Snapcaster, I think I'm the only one on it um, at the moment. And it's it's OK. Uh, honestly, I need to play more games with it. Um, I haven't gotten in as many games with it as I'd like. Um, but it, it kind of fills that whole same niche of like, this is another cast that I can play. Um, and it has that whole kind of, uh, that nice little thing. Again, I can like, you know, gotcha a Najila or a Timna player where they're like, okay, I'm going to try and, you know, swing at you. And I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to flash in the Snapcaster and then, you know, replay. And then also like flash something back that I need, like, like a vampiric tutor or something like that. So you get some, some really good value, you know, where you take the heat off where like, you know, you stop someone from comboing off with their Najila and then you also, get to do, you know, progress, you know, progress your own game plan. Um, you know, so I, I've been, I've been liking that. Um, but then also the, there's the kind of thing of with Snapcaster, you get to, you have the possibility of winning at instant speed um, with that. So, you know, like you can actually like play lab man pass or play, you know, Jace pass. Um, but then you can just throw in, you can now like, you know, under like a stack kind of like what a flash player does is respond. All right, well, I'm going to Snapcaster, um, and, uh, you know, exile my library with demonic consultation and then like play a brainstorm or something, or, or I can flash back my brainstorm or something like that. Definitely sounds like it has some pretty cool usage. So yeah. you want to give the other side of this argument? Uh, I think for me, it's not, I don't actually hate Jace. I think Jace is fine. It's a good utility card for me. It's always been flex. It's kind of gone in and out of the list. It does a lot of things decently. It doesn't do anything I particularly need most games, but I think it's a solid pick. Uh, for me, it's just like one of those flex slots. Uh, Snapcaster, uh, I feel a bit more narrow. I'm not, I'm not as huge fan of that. I lean pretty much on Kess and doing things on my main phase for the wins. I, being able right. to win in this speed is cool, but I'm not totally sold on Snap. No, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm definitely kind of with you there on, on, on Snapcaster. It's, uh, 
you know, it has a lot of like potential, but it's kind of it, it, it's it's on that line. And, you know, I again, I I don't have enough games in it to be very to feel very pot to be to feel very affirmative on my opinion on on whether the card should stay or go. It's like it's got some pros and cons compared to JVP, right? Like the upside of JVP yeah. is that you're running it out on an earlier turn. So whenever it is that you're going to use it, either to replace Kess and basically give you this whole one-card win-con situation off a double forbidden shooter or just be a draw, like you don't have to pay mana for it on the combo turn, which is nice because it's a pretty mana-intensive combo. Um, yeah. But the downside is it's, you know, it's a nombo with your rats and your curse totem, whereas Snapcaster, you can use it to actually kill block um, like the Timners and the Jealers, which is a nice like you sort of use for it. But you can't use it. Well, you can use it on the combo turn, but it adds to the mana cost. It's still a lot cheaper than Kess, but it doesn't get hit by you know it doesn't care about Curse Totem basically. So for me, yep. being able to run the JVP out along the way, have it sort of contribute towards what I'm doing even before it becomes part of the win, or even if it doesn't end up being part of the win, is worth the nombo. But the extra mana, um, yeah, the Snapcaster, just not quite, not quite there for me. So another another sort of synergy that I can think of with JVP is you can technically loot your entire deck away with infinite taps and untaps, right? <laughs> just by stacking yes. them on the thing, which yeah. leads into the next thing. <laughs> Segway, um, uh, which is the way that you would technically or theoretically get those infinite untaps um being isochron scepter plus dramatic reversal now i know that dramatic reversal is a very good card in the deck anyway because a lot of mana rocks are really good with dramatic reversal um but isochron scepter might not be a totally obvious slot in um you don't necessarily have a a like simple or necessarily like maybe even consistent win off of the infinite mana um so what's the thought on that yeah that's the problem you've like identified it straight away without the infinite mana outlet available to us like in the command zone it's always going to be a three card combo um uh-huh. like we've got the rocks the support scepter but and Kess coming in and letting you use a piece that you use to put the Isochron Scepter combo together to put, to get the third part kind of turns it into like a, it's a little bit easier to maybe piece it together if you've cheated to like put it together, but um, yeah, you still need the outlet, and now especially with Lab Jace, bringing the whole consultation line down a card. It's, yeah. It's, it's probably just like a backup plan that you don't really need that's kind of clunky. Yeah, I used to be on Ice Crown Scepter back when there wasn't uh, the Labman Jace. So, I one of the other ways of doing it was like get Ice Crown Scepter and then get top, since I was dividing top out there to draw your deck. And so, like, it was okay. I never really liked it, but it was okay back when there was not an alternate Jace. But, sorry, not an alternate Labman, rather. But now that we have, like, the two, the two lab people or I have not felt the desire for Ice Ground Scepter in the deck. Yeah, pretty much my same thoughts exactly. Um, to be honest, before pre-Jace, that was kind of like the thing where I was always jumping back and forth between playing Storm and playing Consultation. 
And I was always kind of like, okay, if I lose my lab man, I'm just kind of, you know, SOL. So I have to run Isochron with as a, as a clunky backup because, you know, again, we don't have, we don't have an outlet in the command zone. Um, but then like once, once Jace got printed, I was, I was full steam ahead. Uh, let's, let's get on this consultation, uh, this consultation train. So really just a former backup plan that is pretty much entirely antiquated at this point. Okay. Correct. Yeah. The, yeah, the only time it's it's going to be good is if you have like a demonic tutor already in your graveyard and you, you know, you ice concept or generate infinite mana, cast Kess, and then you replay your demonic your demonic tutor to get your outlet. Um, and that's not as consistent as uh, we would like. It's definitely like on that line of not good enough. Definitely makes sense. Um, the next one uh, comes from a listener question and i think we've covered this a fair amount but just to give an actual stance on it because i know there was some doubt originally but um just the discussion on lab maniac versus jace because i know there i at least i believe i know that there was um a bit of contention early on with jace release where obviously it's this great thing that packages a cantrip and a lab man into a single card it dodges abrupt mm -hmm. decay it does thought scour things so you can't get mem journey hated for some reason um it touches humility it's not as bad on its own as lemon right but um i yeah. i think a lot of people were mm. concerned about the triple blue cost and i think rightly so right um so how, how have you guys sort of seen that work out or what are your opinions after the substantial amount of testing with it um well like when you're doing your mana math for the combo turn, sometimes it is like if you've got the cantrip, but you don't have the blue, and you go for lab man basically. Like, but the triple blue like that has been so rarely a problem. I'm not trying to race it that quickly. Usually, it's sort of a mid range time that I'm going for the win, and you need blue so primarily, like what. On like one land now like a, a yeah. colored land that doesn't make blue Two. yeah if you look at like like my land base I, I think the only lands that don't generate um, blue that isn't a fetch land is ancient tomb badlands and I f and my and my one lone basic swamp everything else generates blue yeah same for mine yeah so it hasn't hasn't been a problem yeah same in mind like the the list is heavily blue black and heavily heavily blue so like even though it's three colors it's not really three colors red is just barely there <laughs> just there to say hi just there to poke the flash players a bit when you cast a yeah. red yeah red. i yeah. guess on I mean, like the, the versus each other though it's kind of like well one's got the the built-in cantrip slash draw so like yeah. if mana's not the problem that's probably the one that you go for because it's slimmer if you've got an extra tutor now you're not putting a three card combo together you use that to get your pack or your force um but if things yeah. are a little bit tight or if, say, you're trying to put it together off intuition and you need to, if you're still on that pile, like, you obviously can't unearth a planeswalker. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and so, like, it's also just kind of, like, it's just super evident now if you look at decks nowadays um, that are also, you know, as we were talking about earlier, they're all jamming 
uh, a console package. And, you know, but the thing is, they're they're usually just jamming Jace plus Demonic Consultation or t- and Tainted Pack. They're not jamming um, Labman because, you know, going from a three card, you know, a three card combo um, to a two card combo with with such a, an easy to do mana, well, easy ish to do mana cost is just insurmountable, like two, like two cards without a commander, without anything. It's just like, all right, I'm sold. You know, that's why you're seeing it in the CST. Um, or, um, you know, or you're seeing it in the first, uh, the first sliver, all that kind of stuff. The other thing that's worth mentioning, it's actually kind of back to the, like the type of role that JVP and Snapcast have performed. But when you're in green, your Noxious Revival or Regrowth, which is run in those Scepter Thrasios decks, turns into another sort of Kess-esque effect that you can use to double these things together to, to put the whole, the whole thing together. Um, that's sweet. It is sweet. I think like there's maybe space if it's not already there for JVP definitely in that deck. Um, because it's, and I don't know if the consult version of PST or CST isn't on regrowth anymore. Like I haven't looked, but that should stay, I think because it fits that role. Yeah, definitely makes sense. Um, all right, so got Lemman versus Jace. Sounds like there's still room for both of them in the deck. Um, effectively, like there's there's oh, no reason yeah. to oh, run both, right? Oh, if, oh yeah, oh yeah. If you're talking about yeah, if you're talking about specifically like Kess and and whatever, you run yeah. both. Yeah. Like that's the that's the whole point. That's yeah. the whole point of the deck. <laughs> no reason like, to not do it. Having to, ha- yeah. Um, all right. Uh, <laughs> Diaz, Diaz, want to explain this real quick because uh, I, I I feel like you guys having a public statement on this would be nice. This next one right here. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, you go ahead, Red. (laughs) So the final card on our single card discussion is Necropotence. Because apparently some people need a bit of convincing. And that's okay because we're going to convince you. (laughs) Run it. That's... I don't know what else to say about that. One. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, You'd like cards? If yes, run this is probably the best draw engine in Magic: The Gathering. We are running Dark Ritual. It is pretty much a game plan. If you see it in an opening hand, on its own, uh-huh. don't feel like it needs to win you like a right game away. in a turn cycle. Like you can just bury a game in unanswerable amounts of card advantage over two or three cycles with this like it's just going to make your chances of winning like so much more likely not like a certainty like a flash on the stack with a protean hook in hand but it's like most of the way there like and only for a single card right (laughs) yeah yes you know like we you know we play like you know like Dark Confidant, another kind of card, you know, and Rhystic Study, another kind of card advantage engines. Um, and it's like, this is the ultimate like, card advantage engine. Um, you know, every, you know, people who are like new to the game um, or people who don't play Necropotence as much, they're like, they think, oh, I resolve this turn one. I got to go. I got a Necro for 35 and just like, and just take it like, nah, no, you don't necessarily need to do that. You can, you can, you can Necro for 10, you can Necro for 15. You can, if you're like, if you're in a grindy game, Necroing for like four or five, you know, going up to like ten cards at end of turn and just exiling three of them, going back to hand size. 
every turn you're you're just gonna just like you're just gonna crush everyone in card advantage um and you're just gonna be able to pick and choose all the cards that you need and don't need and you've it's like you're just sculpting your hand while also maintaining that you're constantly at seven cards while everyone else is like you know is is trying just to you know stay afloat with it um and it's just like just playing it like it's not an easy card to play and, and use like that's for sure but it's so powerful that like you you owe it to yourself to learn how to play with, to play it i think that's a good <laughs> that's a good convincing yeah great play the card no reason not to <laughs> it's good it just just do it <laughs> yeah stop stop yeah. questioning us just play sure. it. <laughs> um cool so that about shout out to the yeah. couple that wraps up, I think, the single card discussion for the main list um, for what you want to be playing just generically yeah. um, in the stock list. Uh, I think we're going to move on to the last part of discussing cards that go into the deck specifically, uh, which is going to be the category of tech and meta choices, things that you might not necessarily want to play all the time, but can do work in yeah. very specific metas, very specific pod compositions. Uh, I think the first category of these that we're going to cover is Grave Hate, because if we can't run Grafter's Cage, <laughs> then what are we supposed to do, right? Um, and I know everybody right. has their own little piece of spice, little piece of tech to help deal with the Hulk Menace, um, but historically there's been, like, cremate um, <laughs> other people to been on surgical extractions, all that good stuff. Um where do you guys stand on right. what you're slotting in to help deal with Hulk? Or are you? Do you think that just counter magic and pyroclasms and curse totem is enough to deal with it as is? Never enough. Extupate <laughs> <laughs> um, 100% is the fresh hotness. Um, Shuffle Hulk in particular with its um, instant speed wins and built-in memories journey protection has made single shot graveyard elimination really useless. Um, so being able to exile something at split second speed, I mean, it kind of sucks to have to make like a slot concession, but shuffle hold is really good and if you're seeing it a lot then you probably need to make that one card concession and i think like Wed said you've got 12 to play with um yep you do another one that i like um is actually stifle on the hulk trigger like you can <laughs> wait really late through the counter war over the flash <laughs> with that which can work out you can also just get stung being the person that has to deal with the Hulk trigger, but uh, people are also running the the split second trick bind and throwing yeah, that down. Yeah, I've seen that sometimes. Yeah, um, which again, I probably wouldn't run that if I'm taking specifically for Hulk. I'm thinking extirpate in this list, and having played on the other side of that, like extirpate is a big part of the reason why I'm making sure I've got a Grand Abolisher in all my Hulk decks at this point in time. So, okay. Wedge, Sug, how, how far do you guys go on teching against Grave decks? So, you know, like, my uh, like I, I have a decent... I play against, you know, Hulk a well, decent amount. Like, it's like, not... Um... 
specific hull, Kate? I found that, like, too much of the actually really good graveyard hate, like, invest... There's too much of investment in mana. Like, I don't know if I actually want Leyline of the Void in this deck. I suppose I could shove it in, but, like, mostly I've been leaning on Blue Counter, Magic Dancer, Hulk, Kate, Winamon, Kess. Yeah, I, I agree with uh, Sug. I'm having, like, this similar um, similar experiences where I just rely on those. Um, but, I mean, you know, like, there's definitely, I like, extirpate, you know, like, I see that, I've been seeing that a lot in a lot of other, in a, in a lot of other lists, and, you know, including in Reds. Um and like, yeah, it looks powerful. Um, and, you know, and then if you're going up against, like for me, um, I've kind of been considering running uh, Nihil Spellbomb. Um, not like really to necessarily like hose um, Holt decks, but also just to kind of have a general answer against a lot of graveyard decks. Because in my meta, like um, like Zer, uh, Zer, other Kesses, Gitrog, um, and, you know, obviously, you know, like some Hulk, like some Hulk or other graveyard reliant strategies. Um, you know, it's it's kind of like a nice thing, but also lets me progress my own game plan. But on the other side of that coin, it doesn't like it doesn't nest it doesn't it doesn't hose the Hulk decks. You know, they have they have a bunch of ways to get around that kind of stuff. Um, so you know, it's it's got some. I'm kind of on the fence on it, but it's something I've considered um, because again, I I I run, I'm thinking about it specifically because it also helps me progress my game plan because in a pinch I can draw a card from it. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of Niles of Spellbomb, like. It doesn't hit any of the Hulk decks. Like, yeah, you can't activate so that, it under a Grand Abolisher. Um, Shuffle's got the built-in protection. Sacred doesn't care. And it's yeah. not the cheapest draw effect either. Like, no, you, it's not. you can split it over two turns. Like, I used to have it in Zer, like, but it, I was pretty happy to cut it. Um, I've never, oh, yeah. I've never, like, you can't sort of gotcha anyone with it either because you sort of throw it out there. So people, because it's like a sorcery. Well, not necessarily, but because it's on the table, um, mm -hmm. people can play around it with the incidental value that you might get out of it. I've found it to mm -hmm. not be great, personally. Yeah, no, yeah, it's something I've just kind of just like kind of played around with and considered. Mm. It's I, good I, to, I for the not, artifact it. density. It's nice on the early turns because we're running it pretty close to the line. Um, just the things like turning yeah. on your mox opal in those quick hands. Um, but, Makes sense. But it's yeah. Much. All right. I think we got some pretty good answers there. Um, I think there's definitely some yeah. range. It, I think it's, depending on your play style, it, definitely how much you're seeing the decks, uh, what versions of the decks you're seeing will probably inform those choices a lot more than just generic. This is good. This is bad. Right. Yeah. Um, uh -huh. That being said, we talked about um, Yehenny's earlier on the podcast a bit when we were talking about uh, board wipes. I think that's probably something that warrants a bit of discussion considering you don't necessarily see your hennies a lot in CDH. It's not a particularly popular card choice in other strategies, other decks. So um, just wondering like wh where you guys would play your hennies, like what, what the concept is behind it over say another cheap board wipe or an expensive board wipe that maybe will clear more things with more power or toughness. I think it's just bears, right? Like, if you just find yourself swimming in a sea of hate bears and three creature spells, a uh, creature rat spells, plus the ability to reliably recur them still isn't enough, then, <laughs> then you might need a Yohanny's expertise. It's not amazing, but it will kill pretty much everything dead 
and maybe get you a value three CMC spell. Like, it's not great. It's pretty good, but, you know, that's pretty much when I'd be thinking, like, oh, God, I need another wrath spell. So just the ability to drop in a rock off of it, right, I'm assuming, is the big one. Or maybe a wheel of some sort. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, you know, you can do things like, you know, wrath the board, drop necropotence, wrath the board, drop a bob, wrath the board. You know, it's 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 good. It's a it's definitely like a, a, a solid like, you know, piece of kind of like I like it in the fact that it actually progresses my game plan because, you know, there's always that kind of thing with like sorcery speed or, or, or like uh, wraths that are, gen- you know, whether they're artifact based or, or creature based is that they're generally at sorcery speed. Um, and, you know, and it, there's got that feel bad thing where like, OK, I'm going to wrap the board of hate pieces and then I don't have enough mana to win the turn um, or or to do something afterwards. So then I just like let someone else progress their board plan under me or try to win under me. It's like Yehenny's kind of helpful. Yehenny's has that kind of little thing where like, oh, OK, I can like try and progress my game plan a little bit as you know, so it doesn't feel like as bad. Definitely makes sense. <laughs> I gotta keep saying that because everything that you guys are saying makes sense, probably predictably. <laughs> there, there's been a lot of thought put into this deck, if you can't tell already. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of discussions. Oh yeah, a lot of discussions. Um, so yeah, we covered those. We covered Legacies a little bit already. Um, yeah, Wedge. Yeah. I know you specifically have been testing out Jeweled Amulet, which is sort of some low-level tech that's been popping up in Sands Green decks for a while. Yep. Um, so it, it's been it's been okay. I've just done it in gold fishing. I haven't actually been able to play it yet in a game. Um, but I'm kind of just stealing from from all the Urza kids um, that are uh, that are like you know trying out jeweled amulet. Um, and it's just kind of like a way to maximize your turn two plays. Um, you know, with uh, you know you can do like turn one land jeweled amulet, and then you know with that you can do you know, another land into uh, like a signet and then actually into a signet or talisman and then play like, you know, Bob or JVP right afterward. So, you know, helps you kind of like, you know, produce, you know, uh, actually help you, you know, be in the game, you know, on turn three and everything like that when things are a bit more critical while also letting you progress your game plan um, with other with other stuff. Um, But it's like it's okay. It's like so far from just gold fishing, like I'm like I try to do like a thing where um, I'd like mulligan a hand and I just take out like the seventh card and put jeweled amulet in in its place and try to like do like a goldfish hand with it. Um, and it's all right. It's, it's been okay. But, um, you know, time will tell how it is um, in actual games. Um, but yeah. Definitely seems worth testing. Pretty good. Um, and then I think mm-hmm. the last thing we're going to touch on here is maybe not necessarily tech or meta considerations, but um, uh, it might be um, is the, the concept, the topic of playing mana discounters. Um, so not necessarily mana rocks, but mana discounters. Things like Baral, Chief of Compliance, Sapphire Medallion, um, some other spicy ones. Maybe one that you shouldn't play. <laughs> um, guys, got thoughts on that? Sug, you want to start this off? Sure, yeah, I've been a big fan of Baral for a while. Uh, he's a good discount. Uh, you get that nice looting off of counters. Uh, he's He's been pretty solid in all the decks I've played him in. Um, for the other ones, uh, I'm kind of a bit uh, doubtful on. Maybe uh, Wedge can sort in, because he says he's tried some of the other ones, the more niche ones. Yeah, 
So, okay, so with with Brawl, I've I've kind of like cooled down a bit on it in in consult just because like with the spells that I've been playing, um I've been like slimming my my deck so much that it's like most of my spells are one CMC. So, most of my instants and sorceries are one CMC. Um that it's getting to the point of where Brawl's only discounting like I don't know like 17, 18 cards um out of my instants and sorceries. Which is, I mean, you know, it's that's still decent, but it's like it's like been kind of, you know, a bit middling. Um, while like now with like now, if you look at other cards such as like Sapphire Medallion or Nightscape Familiar, where they discount all, you know, Sapphire Medallion discounts all blue spells by one, and Nightscape Familiar discounts all blue and red spells by one. Um, and then you know, when you look at that, then like I think Sapphire Medallion comes out of comes in at about. I think around 18, like in my current list, I think it discounts at about the same amount as Brawl, maybe like one or two more. Um, and then Nightscape Familiar, if you count the red cards, it discounts a bit more. Um, getting close to like the 20, getting close to the 20 mark, depending on how you play. Um, and, you know, like there's some benefits there where, you know, you can, taking that one extra colorless off of Labman or Jace is, act, you know, it's pretty relevant. Um, and because, you know, you're also, it's also applying to your other things, such as your Sapphire Medallion, Nightscape, you know, apply to your Kess. Um, you know, making her cost three CMC. Um, I think there's definitely some applications that you can use it for, but I, I definitely think you need to make sure your deck has the right density of, of cards to use. Um, and then there's the last one, which is uh, Helm of Helm of Awakening. Uh, don't play that um, because you you literally only play that on a in Storm. You only play that on a Storm turn, and even then, Storm decks should, in my opinion, they shouldn't be playing Helm at all um, because it's literally a dead card unless you're storming off. Um, and because you pass the turn with Helm of, with Helm Awakening, you just give somebody the game. Um, so it's much better to play like these asymmetrical discounters in, uh, in, in my opinion, if you are going to definitely makes sense. Yeah. I think they're, they're pretty fringe because so much of what we're doing are these really manner efficient spells anyway, that are down to like pretty much just their color considerations <clears throat> and the high rock count often means you know we we do have enough for the colorless so for me they've just mm-hmm. not quite been enough like but Boral would be the one that i went with for sure and he's got three toughness as well right like that's he is a big boy that's relevant blocks him to it baby. survives the yeah. pyroclasm and the rats that you're playing to kill um the timna Najila docks and timna Najilas and blocks Timna and uh-huh. gives you the loot there as well, which you know could be the sneaky draw trigger that you respond to with your consultation if you really have to. Um, right. So that seems like the best one if you wanted to test one out. Um, but yeah, Helm, stay yeah. away from that. Agree with that. <laughs> Not a great one. All right, I think that wraps up our single card discussion. Uh, good job, guys. There's a lot to get through. Um, <laughs> got through those we did it um so that being said we're gonna move on to our final real topic we'll get into some after discussion after this but um you guys asked for it we're gonna do it again because it's great and a lot of you guys apparently want to a lot of you guys and gals sorry and people um would like to hear about mulligans but how you would mulligan hands, about how the professionals here would mulligan hands. Um, so we're going to do some of that for you. We have, we have some hands pulled up Press here. Pressure's on. <laughs> we're going to go through them, and we're just going to we're just gonna see what it looks like, what, what the mulligans in this deck looks like, what what they 
think is good, bad, and an opening hand. Um, so to kick it off, uh, Wedge, why don't you start off with this first one here? Read off the cards, then we'll discuss All it. Right. All right, the first hand is uh, Jace Wield of Mysteries, Delay, um, a Talisman of Creativity, Gamble, Arid Mesa, Ancient Tomb, Underground River. So my my initial instinct is to uh, keep this hand. Um, you've got you have like you have a turn you have a turn one talisman which is just great. You have you have a counter you have a counter spell with delay. Um, you have a kind of you know this is this is the one where it's a little bit contentious. Like you know like do you want to do you turn one um, like do you turn one play a red source and do gamble for mana crypt. Because that, if that's the case, well, and you don't, and you don't, you can gamble turn one off the talisman, right? So that's the question. Do you run it no, out? That, that... Sorry. Oh, go ahead. Because uh, so I thought you were saying talisman. the talisman was the turn one play. So, so yes, you can do that. But then you could also, but you know, if you do, you know, um, ancient tomb into talisman of creativity into gamble, the chances of you discarding like um, chase wielder mysteries is you know gets much higher from the gamble. Um, and you know, and that's not, you know, and then that's where there's like, you know, I, I can, I can see where some people might not do that. Um, but, uh, or you could just do the turn one gamble into mana crypt and then into talisman of creativity or whatever, but you know, oh, yeah. but what do you, do you think, do, would you do, would you do the, um, tomb, tomb talisman gamble? You know, I kind of like it because you draw a card for the turn, your chances of beating Jace Versus not beating Jace is like one to five, right? Like eighty percent odds. Yeah, that's fair. I take eighty percent odds. Shit, yeah. Turn one uh, gamble. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> let's do let's, it. Let's jam it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm <laughs> I, I keep that handy the way. Gamble plan. <laughs> Just dump like it. it. <laughs> Get it out of here. Yeah, but yeah, this hand's a yeah. keep. But at the end of the day, this hand's a keep. This camp's this this uh, this hand's sweet. And, and like, if you do like dump your Jace or or whatever. Um, I mean, you're looking at, um, you're looking at like a, like a turn, like, let me see with just the land and that you're looking at like a turn three casts or something like that at worst, you know, worst case scenario. If you don't draw any, if you just keep drawing lands or something, which means that you can effectively gamble again at some point. Right. Or if you're exactly. Yes. Um, so yeah, I think, I think that is just an example of like what a keep hand looks like a a very like solid keep hand. Um, so we want to move yeah. on. Uh, Sug, you want to grab the next one? Okay, the next one we have here is uh, Volcanic Island, Gemstone Caverns, Rolling Earthquake, Grim Monolith, Brainstorm, Chain of Vapor, and Demonic Consultation. And, like, I love this hand. I don't know why we wouldn't keep this hand. Um, I'm probably... The only thing is here is that are we going first or not? Like... If you're going first, this hand gets a lot worse, actually, in some ways. But um, if we're not going first, yeah, I'm start. I'm leading off with uh, gemstone pitching, rolling earthquake, volcanic island, grim, and yeah, we're we're off to a strong start there. Off to the races. Yeah, I feel pretty similarly. It's like if you're not going for if you're not going first, this hand's pretty nice. You get you get you know gems yeah gemstone pitching, rolling earthquake into a turn turn one grim monolith. Um, and if you are going first, this hands, you know, it's, it's not bad. Like if this is like your second seven, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't fault you for keeping it. Like, cause that, you know, at the bare minimum, you have brainstorm your opening hand. So you're essentially looking at 11 cards instead of, instead of lurking, instead of looking at eight cards. 
you know, on your, on turn one, um, if you, you know, if you were going first, um, and that's pretty good. I can imagine the one concern would not be, would be not having like a real shuffle effect for the brainstorm though, right? Like technically you can clear the top with the mono consultation, but super risky. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it can be getting, getting brainstorm locked. You don't want that um, to be like your game plan looking at this opening hand being like, oh, if I brick on my brainstorm, I'll just like consult. <laughs> you're, planning, <laughs> you're planning for like a pretty worst case scenario looking at your opening seven. Like, I, right. I do like it not going first, but it's not amazing. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, exactly. You, if, you, if you're you're if relying you're on brainstorm. First. Like, your first draw really could like make this yeah sounds good um red do you want to grab the next one here sure uh we have a chrome monks a volcanic island ancient tomb preordain demonic consultation plunge into darkness and an underground sea so we've got Volk Island, Underground Sea, Ancient Tomb, as well as the Chromox. We've got Preordain, Consult, and Plunge. So we've got no interaction, but we've got ex persistent acceleration. <laughs> we've got half the combo. We've got the Cantrip and Plunge. Seems pretty good. Yeah, I would, I would, I would likely keep this hand at most at most tables, for sure. Like it's it's really good, really good mana acceleration or something that really. Like, it's it's kind of like a really big thing with with like the non green decks is like you have to be a lot you have to be a lot more careful with your mulligans because you know you can't just keep you know a hand of land and dorks and a cup and you know and then your other pieces like you have you have to kind of mull to for some sort of acceleration uh, most of the time or you're gonna get or you're gonna get blown out sometimes and like this hand is just I think this hand's sweet yeah I like this hand quite a lot it gives you a lot of options. I, I could definitely see a, an issue with it, though, just from my point of view of, say, if you're in a more aggressive pod, if you might not necessarily have the speed to race. Um, yeah, that's fair. Uh, do you it depends, though. Like, you can hold up your plunge um, and you, and you can trip and maybe, like, like, if you are forced to answer a flash on turn two, like, you're not necessarily incapable of doing so with this hand either if you like i wouldn't even call it sandbagging the plunge <laughs> on turn two or three but like you could turn that into a an answer at a in the clutch moment early if you had to with this hand yeah i mean yeah because on turn two you have five mana you, you yeah. you're able to plunge you're able to plunge for interaction if necessary makes sense so just making sure that you're keeping the the card draw or selection up in case you actually do need the interaction but otherwise yeah right uh so these next few ones are supposed to be i think sort of um what considered trap hands maybe um things to discuss <laughs> um but yeah well, let's get into it uh why do you want to take the next one again all right so the next one is um suck and ruins island brainstorm notion thief demonic tutor Dramatic reversal and chain of vapor. Um, so you know, like just kind of looking at this hand, you don't have any mana acceleration um, with the exception of dramatic reversal. But the thing is, dramatic reversal does no mana acceleration because you don't have rocks in play or you don't have any rocks. Um, so you're, you know, essentially with this hand, you're just kind of 
if you kept it, you would just be banking on a turn two demonic tutor into like a mana crypt or something, or um, or like a you know a turn one brainstorm. It's it's kind of a when I look at this hand, I kind of see it as almost a like a five card hand um, because like literally all like you know I can't play Notion Thief for a while. I can't play Dramatic Versal's dead, um, and you know so it's like when I look at this, this is this this looks like I I would ship this if this was like my. Uh, if this was my seven or my either or my second seven, I would go to, I think I would go to six. I think there's better sixes than this seven. Yeah. Looking at this hand, like what's your line? What's your game plan? A turn one brainstorm where you filter one of the cards you put back away after drawing the other one main phase, turn two tapping down for a DT, probably getting rid of your dramatic reversal. It's like, Trash. Yeah, <laughs> you're not doing anything until turn three. You're totally banking on what you see off a brainstorm. Your gates are down. No good. What do you think? Yeah, it's like? a bit risky. I'd keep this as a second seven, though. Like, first seven, no, okay. but second seven, there's enough here that I might bank in the brainstorm rather than going down to six, but yeah. Okay, that's, that, that's fair. Is that your line? Do you brainstorm turn one and then turn two main phase DT? Yeah, I think so. I think in this one, that's what I'd be doing. Depending on draws, obviously. But. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I mean, like, I mean, like, worst case scenario, you get you get a turn three, you know, like, like, literally, worst case scenario with this hand is you get a turn three notion thief. That's that's not. I mean, like, that that's not like if somebody if you're playing in a at, you know at a table where somebody's going to get like a turn two, um, or like a like a turn two, uh, like Timner or something like that. Like you can really kind of put a wrench in their plans or, you know, you can play it in response to someone else's cantrip or something uh, go on turn three, uh, you know, on turn three going forward. So, I mean, it's not the worst, but yeah. The pieces ending up in the bin along the way with the brainstorm and the DT are like kind of nice, but you still not like from this, you've got no way to actually stick a Kess either. Like you're still going to need to find like a red source and just more mana, which you probably find yeah. off the, off the DT. Right. So you need to, yeah. like... And you definitely don't want to be tutoring, like, some kind of red artifact source. Like, you want to be getting your mana-positive Cheerios, like your Crypt or something. So, yeah. 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 Um, and then, finally, Sug, you want to grab this last one? Okay. Oh, man. I feel <laughs> like this is one of these horrible things where you shouldn't keep this hand, but I might. Because that Narsets <laughs> is so goddamn tempting. Just like turn one yeah. solo, <laughs> turn two, somebody's gonna tutor that turn cycle, and like you know, but then if no, just nobody tutors, it's gonna like be an ass hand. This is not. This well, is such a swingy so, hand. So for context, um, was, this land, this hand contains oh, yeah, uh, soaring, snow covered <laughs> island, fiery islet, underground sea, mental misstep, narcess reversal, and toxic deluge. <laughs> so. I would keep this. I would keep this hand in like exactly like versus like Blood Pod, and like if I was playing against like a bunch of like fringy decks where like oh I'm gonna run stacks pieces and and I'm gonna run like uh, you know like and, and like or like they're just planning on going really slow, um, you know, and they're all creature based decks or something. Uh, I I would consider it just, but it's like the fact there's no gas or anything like that is. Yeah, it's a it's an it's an interesting hand. 
you're pretty much banking on stealing something with the reversal. Yep. Um, and that does work. And you are <laughs> really likely to see those sorcery speed, like, tutors out of the black decks in the first couple of turns. Um, you never know. You might even bag yourself somebody else's ad nauseum with it. That feels good, I can tell you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right. um, and if it's, like, to be honest, if you do find yourself falling a bit behind in tempo to the green decks, like, Deluge is there, it comes online, like, turn two off the soul ring. Um, so it's, like, a bit dependent on pod composition as to whether or not you're going to get, like, you're likely to get value out of Narsets, which is a pretty unreliable gamble, but that depends on how, <laughs> how you're feeling. And Deluge could be, like, a pretty sweet card um, in the right pod with a Sol Ring to throw it down quick on tempo. And you you are casting Kess off this hand. Um, yeah, it's true. It's... It's, <laughs> it's okay. Is, is there any is there any consideration to cracking the fiery outlet early? Maybe to dig if you can't necessarily nag anything with the Narcissus reversal. I'd be jamming Kess before I even thought of that for sure. Um. Yeah, I don't think I would jam. I don't think I would. I would use fiery outlet to to draw a card um, right away on on this on this unless I was just like so out of it, you know, that I like really like it would be like a lot I would be pretty desperate if I if I used it for that draw. Yeah, fiery is pretty desperate if you're doing it early. Alright. Well, I think we got through a good spread of hands there. Um couple of good ones. Yeah. Few iffy ones. Uh couple brave ones. <laughs> um yeah. yeah. So that wraps up our main topics. Um we're going to move on right now to a general floor topic, um, just for piloting advice, for general tips and tricks you'd like to throw out there for aspiring console pilots, people looking to take their game up to the next level in the deck, um, any type of things like that that we might have missed earlier in the podcast. Um, yeah, I think like, probably my, my, uh, my big advice is like goldfish a lot um so you know with with the whole consultation core list you know you have all these open slots as we we talked about earlier um so there's a lot of there's a lot of room for kind of you know tuning things to your meta um tuning things to your playstyle, to your preference to um you know whatever you want and you know when you're when you're looking on trying out a card when you're looking on trying out a card or you want to try you know see how a card kind of plays out um you know one thing to you to do is um do like the the little goldfish trick where it's like all right, I want to see how this card performs. Um, you know, put it in your in your opening seven when you goldfish. You know, like do the six random cards. Add this one. Is it see how it plays out in your early turns? You know, what is this doing for you? Um, and just play a lot. Um, it, it, that's I mean, you're you're going to get so much more. Like this isn't a storm deck, so you are going to get a lot more mileage out of just playing like raw actual games um, rather than goldfishing. Um, like goldfishing will help you, you know, be cut, you know, get you aware of like, you know, like what are your, you know, like how soon can you go off or how soon can you threaten to go off or how can you like establish your board? But like, you know, playing real games, um, is going to be like the best piece of advice. Um, just play. <laughs> um, and, uh, 
Yeah, I think that I think that's probably like my 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 biggest piece of advice. Yeah, and just going off of what Wedge was saying there, like with this deck, the combo itself is fairly simple. You want to get the idea of the general flow of the deck through gold fishing, and also how to answer specific opponents as you go along. And that's that is something that just playing will teach you a lot better than theory crafting. And I suppose you need to consider those sort of 12 flexible slots um, that the core list leaves you with, not like completely as this sort of space for your personal expression. Like you need to be tuning for your meta with those slots. We've got like a lot of options there and you can hit us up if you're not sure, but um, this deck really can let you attack like the regulars to your tables with those flex slots. So like, yep, you know, take some data. Like if you're playing online, you're probably playing at similar times during the week. You'll start to see similar people. If you're going into stores, it's the same deal. Like be a bit conscious about what you're seeing and then be critical with your flex slots. Yep. If you need to run more rafts, run more rafts. If you need to, you know, play more um, interaction, you know, there's you know, there's plenty of extra counter spells that aren't even in the core list. You know, there's there's a uh, you know, there's spell pierce. There's the other um, there's mana leak. There's you know negate. There's all the, there's there's a ton of spells that you know that you can kind of really mold to your meta um, and to like what you're you know what you're looking at. Great. Well, I think that covers a lot of the stuff that people might need getting into it. A lot of good concepts there to follow. If you guys want. Um, that being said, I think we're about getting time to wrap it up. Uh, if anybody listening to this wants to find out more about Consult beyond what was just mentioned in this podcast, I'm sure you guys can contact any one of these guys on Discord or Reddit. We will link all of that stuff in the description below. Um, they can find you guys on the Grixis and Mean Girls Discord, I'm assuming. Yep. All of you guys, um, yep. do that again. We will um, yeah. link the consult cast shell uh, and the Reddit post if you guys want to check those out as well. And that about does it for this episode. Uh, if you guys would like to reach out to us, the podcast, with any questions, comments, or concerns, you can contact us on Twitter at Into the North Pod via our email at Into the North Podcast at gmail.com or on our Discord server, the invite link for which can be found in the description for this episode. An extra special thanks to all of our patrons who help cover the expenses for our show and allow us to work toward improving the quality of the podcast. If you too would like to become a patron, we are at patreon.com slash Into the North Podcast. Thank you, as always, to the band Vox Cadre for our lovely podcast music, to Nate Slover for our equally lovely podcast logo, and to our long-suffering editor, Roadkill. Thank you to <laughs> all three of the people on this podcast again, Redshift Wedge, Sagandaraja, Sagandaraja, all of the above, for being on this podcast. It was great to have each of you guys. Next episode will be out in two weeks. Until then, see ya. Bye. Thanks for having us. Yeah, see yeah, you thanks. later.